They gonna love me for my ambition. Woo! We are here. Are my, are my ears red? They usually are red when we have we have big guests. They're a little red. Guess my boy's nervous today. A little good, a little good. I don't think it's nervousness. I, I think it's just God just speaks through my ears. I don't know what happens. It randomly just starts to boil. Got the fire going on. You know what I'm saying? But that's also a good sign for a good occasion. Every time that it happens. For those who don't know who aren't familiar with the channel, this is Club Ambition YouTube channel. Welcome to the channel. If you're listening, welcome. You know, thank you for listening. But if you're watching on YouTube, like many people are, you know, visually. We appreciate you. Make sure to hit the subscribe button, comment on below, share your opinion amongst, you know, throughout this interview, because it's going to be extremely, extremely interesting. And overall, when it comes to Rhode Island history, first of all, everybody, welcome. There's welcome people watching, but there's also audience in the room. Shout out to our brothers. Everyone's in the building. Got yeah. the whole entire Club Ambition yeah. team, the whole everybody up in here. Today, Got the Chubb corner. Marlon's sick. Marlon's uh, a little under the weather. But he's he's watching from home, you know. He's here in spirit. We got Erlen and we got David subbing in today. It's good to be back. Shout out to uh, David. He's he's Another you know chub, yo. we, he's been here. Still fully chubbed over here. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of chubbed. Always I guess. Chubbed. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we might not. I don't know if we could talk about chubs today though. Let's be careful. <laughs> Let's be careful there, guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to Rhode Island history, this is probably going to become, if not one of potentially and i'll say it humbly i'll be on some jeremy pena humble type of vibe but this is probably going to be the biggest especially so far interview in the history of rhode island and one of the biggest interviews in the history of sports especially when it comes to baseball long awaited long anticipated so shout out to everybody that's watching you know when it comes to our fan base his fan base there's a lot of haters. There's a lot of naysayers. But guess what? They're watching. So, so shout, shout out to you guys. guys. All the subtweeters. Everybody that's been subtweeting. They, they might be subtweeting him. They might be subtweeting us. Whatever the case. They're here watching. So we appreciate it, right? Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get that out the way. On a happier note, shout out to the families. There's families, his family, my family, everyone in the building here. Some of the families met him today. So that was instrumental. Very, you know, amazing. Genuine love per usual. And, and a lot, lot of our friends, friends are watching, watching. So, so we appreciate, appreciate you guys for joining, because, because this is right here, the man to right of me. When, when it comes to the actual creation of this channel, the actual creation of the podcast, and the concept of actually highlighting Rhode Island individuals without even being intentional. We just want to interview interesting people, and they happen to be from Rhode Island. But the man sitting to the right of me is basically the definition of that. You know, it's pretty amazing and incredible to witness from his, you know, actual first time, especially when it comes to me specifically speaking myself from a personal experience, a classical kid, you saw him, everyone talked about it, JP, man, JP, oh my God, he's so good, and everyone's like, yeah, he's good, he's good, and now we have him sitting to the right, right here, sitting to the right of me, the Houston Astros rookie shortstop, and not even just the rookie shortstop, he is... Let me not get this wrong, because also, by the way, this is not ESPN. This is not FS1, Fox Sports. I'm not an expert. And I know a lot of the answers to the questions I'm asked today, but I'm going to act like I don't, because I want to be a fan today, 100% of the man sitting to the right of me. But he's a Dominican from the smallest state of the country, Providence, Rhode Island, and he's not just the rookie shortstop. He's the first rookie shortstop to win the Gold Glove Award. First rookie shortstop to hit a home run in the World Series. He's a World Series champion, the World Series MVP, and the ALCS MVP champion. 
And a lot of you guys know him as the Humble King, La Tormenta, JP, Jeremy Pena, right here. Round of applause, everybody. Hey. I need gum? My man, nah, my man. man. All right. How's it going, brother? Listen. Hey. Long time coming, but we here. Listen, long anticipated. That intro got my got my mouth dry. Hold up, I mean, we're starting getting cut in mouth. About accolades, yo. Jesus, I didn't expect yeah. that one. Got that shit handy. Yeah. But we're prepared over here. But once we got that out the way, listen, man. First of all, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Let's let's get that out. That's not even on the list. But how are you doing? How are you feeling? You're back in your hometown currently. So what's your state of mind right now? How long have you been here? And what's what's your emotions right now? Man, I feel good. You know, I feel good to be back. You know, back in Providence, back at home. You know, seeing familiar faces. Good to see y'all. You know, and uh, yeah, man, good to be back. Facts, facts. So, listen, man, it's uh, they call it the homecoming for a reason. It really, really feels that way, you know. You had a lot of people show you love. A couple of days ago, you had it at the PCTA event. How, how did that go? That went well as well? It was a great event, man. It was put together by Providence Sports and Leadership. Team we played for growing up, you know, it was put together by the city, you know, and uh, I say the best part was just seeing the familiar faces. Like I said, you know, I saw a bunch of teammates I haven't seen in a long time, you know, classical friends, you yeah. know, and uh, it was a great time. Yeah, man. So let's start from the beginning, the Jeremy Pena story. When it comes to yourself, born and raised, were you born here? Were you born in DR? What is the story for those who don't know? So I was born in Dominican. I was born in Santo Domingo. Santo Domingo. Public on a farm. Wow. What farm? Do you, farm what, do you know bro. the exact farm? It's in Iguero. It's like the northern side of the capital. Wow. So I was born on a farm, you know, or lived there. And yeah, man. How horses, long? Do you, horses, do you chickens, know like the exact amount? Like at what age did you like nine guys? Nine years. What? Nine years on a farm, man. Whoa. <laughs> I did not know yes, this. Sir. Do you yes, remember sir. any of that? I do. Really? I do remember, man. It what what are some of the first memories that come to mind of yourself, Jeremy Pena, living in Santo Domingo on a farm? Man, so my nickname is La Tormenta. Yep. Right? The storm. Mm -hmm. No, that came to be because I was not a bad kid, but I was curious. You know, I would do these things where everyone would be like, why? Like, why would you do that? And on the farm, like, for example, it would be like, we had a bunch of chickens. Mm. So I grabbed the bucket. I filled up the bucket with a bunch of eggs, you know, to the top. And I grabbed the baseball bat, <laughs> started throwing up the eggs, trying to hit them, you know, and I'm missing them. Boom, they're dropping on the floor. Boom, dropping off on the floor. Can't hit them. And all the, the workers got mad, you know, and they, they grabbed me. And they're like, your dad's going to hit you. Like, he's going to get you in trouble, like, blah, blah, blah. When my dad comes, he goes, you try to hit the eggs? I was like, yeah. <laughs> How many did you hit? I go zero, <laughs> and he goes next time you better hit all of them. And I was like, that's a real man right there. Bro. Oh my like, god! So like stuff like that. Like I'll do things like that, and they said I was a bad kid, but you know I was just having fun. Wow, la tormenta. That's where it stems from. For those who don't know Spanish, la tormenta translation English means the storm, right? The storm. Yep. The storm. And wow, that's crazy. That sounds like your life is. A biopic already because if you transition literally from that to like where he is today it's like a movie that's that's insane so going from there so how did your family are were they immigrants similar to how my parents were when they came to america do you know the process of them 
coming over here? Because in my instance, they came over here for me to be born here, but you obviously were born over there. Right. So it's definitely a, definitely a different story, but very familiar story where a lot of my cousins, they went through that same process of being older, being born over there, and then coming over here. So what was that process of, you know, transitioning to becoming an American citizen? Do you recall that? What was the process that your parents went through with you? So my father played in the big leagues. So he had been in the States before. Oh, and so... And what's his name out there? The full name for those who obviously don't know? Jeronimo Peña. And what was the Jeronimo team? Jeronimo Peña. He played with the Cardinals. Mm. St. Louis Cardinals from 90 to 96. Wow. So, yeah, so my dad had already lived in the States. And then when he retired, he moved back to the Dominican. You know, he had his family. And he actually came here first. You know, he lived in New York. A couple of my uncles. And as he was working for the papers to bring us over. And then once it went through... We came to the States. They did it mostly because of us, because we, we had a good living in the Dominican. My mm-hmm. dad played in the big leagues. My mother was an accountant. And we pretty much just came here to give me and my brothers and my sister a better life. So, Wow. Uh, That's amazing. And when and how, so you had siblings as well, right? What, what, what is the age of the, of the siblings? So my oldest brother, Austin, he's 26. Wow, okay. 25. That's one year difference. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was getting busy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, yeah, 25. Were you guys, did you guys butt heads much as, as, as children? Like, your brother, was it like a big brother, little brother vibe, or? It was. You know, in the beginning, we were kind of kind of equal. You know, I put up a fight. Yeah. But then he, he had puberty before I did, so, <laughs> it was, you know, it was sad from there. But, you know, it was cool. And then we have my sister. She is 22. Wow, and we have my little brother. He's twenty, so you know, back to back to back. Yeah. Wow, and 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 when it comes to your siblings, do they have any similar paths? Because obviously, your father played in the leagues. You are now big in the leagues. But when it comes to them, especially your brother being older, before you got any interest, did he have any interest or trying to follow that same path as well? So we all played. We oh, all wow. played. Even your sister. Even my sister played. Wow. In college. Um, my uncles played. My cousins played. Everyone in the family plays. You know, it's something we're born with. Mm-hmm. But then it was never forced on us by my parents. You know, it was like, this is, because in Dominican, you know, baseball is all we got. So you grow up watching these, the famous people out there are baseball players. So you kind of want to strive to be like them and when you're older. And uh, yeah, so it was never forced on us, but we were born with a baseball in our hands. Wow. So they, so when it comes to that, they never forced you, but so did you have though any other like aspirations when you were younger? You know, being that kid in DR, you know, batting eggs. Was it destined for you to like, yo, I just want to be a baseball player, or were you like, no, nah, maybe I want to be like? We all have those moments of like, oh, being an astronaut, doctor, your stereotypical things, or was it always baseball for you growing up? So when I was in the Dominican, it was only baseball, really? and then I moved to the states, and that's when I was introduced to jump roping. <laughs> You guys look at that, man. <laughs> what was about to be a double, double Dutch I watched that movie. movie. I watched that Disney <laughs> movie. Dude, with the That's a good-ass movie. Jump in. Yeah, I watched Jump in. That's a good-ass movie. That is a good-ass That's ass a good-ass movie. movie. Uh, Let's not I was, lie. I was inspired, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you... <laughs> is that the first movie you saw when you came yeah. in? <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to... In gym class, we had jump ropes. In DR? In, in the States. In the States, okay. In the okay. States, yeah. so... And I was jump rope. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of good at this. So let's see if I can be a professional jump rope. <laughs> and, uh, 
Yeah, I dreamed that quick, but uh, yo, yeah, man. Imagine that, Jeremy Pena, the professional jump roper, <laughs> instead of the MLB, uh, you know, fucking champion. That would have been you still insane. You still got the skills to this to this day. You think you can still double dutch a little bit to this day? I would have brought a jump rope in here. I didn't know that. We would have brought a jump yeah. rope next time. Next time, yeah, I still got it. I still got it. I still do it. No, it's a great workout. Hey. Wow, going so that's amazing. So yeah, so your parents they supported you in your decisions. There was no sense of like. You know, because we all go through these moments, especially depending on the type of career paths, like me early on doing what I do. My parents were confused. Like, what are you doing? Like, why was this YouTube stuff? Like, what are you always going to your car? Like, what are you doing? Like, how is that a career? But but then they start seeing the accolades that come from it, the following, the impact, and they see the growth. And then, like, then they get it. But with you, since your father was in the MLB, was it always like from day one? He's like, he understands, like, okay, I'm going to help you do this. Like a typical, like you see online, like the image of the father teaching the son how to swing a bat was it like that when yourself and your father so it was pretty much like that yeah you know like i said i was born i can't even remember my first like baseball memory but yeah he always gave us the option though like he would always ask us like is this something you really want to do yeah you know, it's hard it's a long journey but is it something that you see yourself doing and we all were like yeah we want to do it wow you know and uh yeah, they were, they were always supportive of us and our decisions. But, well. That's amazing. So now, uh, moving forward, when it comes to the family now living in Primus, Rhode Island, what was your journey when it comes to Rhode Island schools? Assuming that from the beginning, you guys, they all lived in Rhode Island right away, right away or did you have like a moment somewhere else or was it right away Primus, Rhode Island? Right away Providence. Providence. And what was your elementary school that you went to? I went to Sackett. Sackett. So Sackett, the entire elementary? I went fourth and fifth grade. Fourth and fifth. Okay. Well, and how was that experience at second? It's funny, bro. First day of school, you know, my parents, we all went to the same school. And our parents dropped us off. I was like, all right, have a great first day of school. Damn. And I'm sitting there like, I don't speak English. I don't know where I'm going. Wow. I don't know anybody. Wow. So, you know, we met this lady. She took us to our classrooms. And the first day we get there, she gives us like a like a quiz to see where you're at, like where you stack up, you know, it's, it was simple, but I didn't speak English. Mm. So I'm just sitting there looking at gibberish and everyone's hammering this paper. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. And I'm trying to copy off of this kid next to me and he makes a scene where he covers his paper. He says something. I don't know what he said, but <laughs> the teacher came over and she's like, what's going on over here? And I looked at it like... I don't, I, don't I don't know either. I don't know what's going on either, <laughs> man. Like, yeah. And then she starts speaking Spanish. Oh, thank God. Yeah, she started speaking Spanish, and that's when I realized I was in a bilingual class. Like she spoke oh, English and wow. Spanish, and uh, after that, you know, that was a uh, that was a blessing. And uh, wow, yeah. do you remember your first memories of maybe even learning like English? Do you recall? I do remember. Really? I what was remember. it? Was it like TV? Or were you an Inglés in Barreras? Were you subscribing nah, to Inglés in Barreras? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, when they try to learn a language, they struggle because they don't immerse themselves into the, the culture and the language. I feel like when you don't have an option but learn, mm -hmm. it becomes easier. Mm -hmm. you know, my cousins already lived in Providence, and they'll watch Drake and Josh. And they're laughing because Drake and Josh is... You know, I grew up watching Power Rangers. Yeah. So it's action. You know, but Drake and Josh is like, you have to understand what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To understand the jokes. 100%. And they're laughing. I'm like, bro, what's so good about this show? Mm -hmm. Drake and Josh is the shit, baby. Right, bro. And then. <laughs> Drake and Josh is amazing. Here, I'm rewatching Drake and Josh, and I'm like, 
I don't know what they were talking about. Like this show, this show's lit. But you know, when you don't, when you don't have a an option to learn, you you pick it up quicker. Facts. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I like how you um you obviously did that because obviously you speak English today. But there's so many people in your position who, to this day, like I have aunts <laughs> who've been here twenty, thirty years, and they don't know how to speak English. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, from DR and other countries as well, especially uh, other language speaking language uh countries they don't really transition or maybe they dif- have difficulty learning english but you you know flawlessly did that so i think that's a beautiful thing so now going from elementary let's jump to middle school what middle school did you go to roger williams middle school hey wow the yes, worst sir. middle school in Rhode Island history. What you, uh, what you mean, bro? <laughs> I can't lie. Allegedly. You ever heard of Gilbert Stewart? Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, at the, at the time, we was <laughs> voted, like, one of the worst middle school, or the worst middle school. I think in the country. Yeah, yeah. We was bad. But what Perry, was... Perry Perry, 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 yeah. Perry was a, Perry was a prison. They had to shut it down. <laughs> but when it came to shit. your experience, you were there the entire, uh, was it six to eight? Six to eight. Six to eight. So what was your experience there? I mean, there was a lot of Dominicans there. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of Talk Dominicans. about it. So it was an easy transition into middle school, you know. And uh, I had friends because I had already been playing in baseball leagues. Mm-hmm. And they were going to school with me at the same time. So it was like I had that baseball connection. And I had these friends at school, you know. And it was it was easier. You know, Roger Williams, I had a great time. You know, I had a great time there. So. Listen, did you shout s- out Miss Salisbury and yes, sir. Uh, oh, okay. Williams squad? Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> JB, Miss Salisbury, and Steve Hafey. Hey. Yes, sir. Coach Hafey. Pardon the interruption momentarily, real quick here. Commercial break by Club Ambition. That's us, ourselves. We have clothing out right now for sale. If you like what Jeremy Pena's wearing, that sweater, it's discounted right now. We have the black version on my body. And Jeremy was wearing the black version, but Erlen mindset. Tell them what you're wearing. You got the gray one looking nice. Gray one looking nice, comfy, man. It's getting cold. You know, this is heavy sweater. Very yep. good quality after a couple washes. It's like a fucking coat. Brand new. $39.99. Nice Free shipping. $39.99. Very cheap, you know, for the quality. And then it's crazy. Look at these shirts. Look at this shirt, man. Balenciaga who? Oof. Fuck Balenciaga. Come on, no. You see Balenciaga, they're doing the child pedophilia. No child pedophilia over here. We're fathers over here. Come on, no. But those for the ambition. Right there. Ambition, y'all got a dream, man. Keep going. They're going to love you for that, man. 100%. 100%. Available all on the website. Let me show them the website, clubambition.store. That's clubambition.store. You visit the website, and you see we have a sale going on. We got shirts for $20, free shipping. Official 47 club hats, free shipping. 47 Club, we work with them. Shout out to 47 Club. Official partnership with 47 Club hats for $20. People are sleeping on those heavily. Um, they're not going to sleep on the next ones, though. When that, whenever we got the new era coming soon, they're going to not sleep on that one. Thanks. Black hoodies, gray hoodies, 40 bucks. These used to be $70, guys. They're on sale. We got some shirts left of these, the high-quality puff print shirts for $30 free shipping. These have a back print on them as well. Shout out to Michael Cameron for modeling these. Shout out to Tony, Tiana, also Jada modeling them on the Instagram posts. Check them out. Club Ambition clothing, Club Ambition merch, CA. It's really a movement. It's a brand. This is good quality merch, clothing. It might seem basic because it's black and white. We're dropping more colors, more designs very much soon, but we can't do that without money. So please support us right now. Holiday sale. 
purchase this stuff on clubambition.store, you can look like Jeremy Pena too. He's a part of Club Ambition, for those who didn't know. And he's rocking this stuff proudly. So please support us. Please, we need to pay the rent. I need to put food in my son's mouth. Clubambition.store. Where can they find us again, Errol? Clubambition.shop. Dot store. Dot store. Club ambition. Dot, dot store, store, motherfucker. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Now back to the legendary Jeremy Pena interview. Pow! Shout out, Coach Chief. They watching, they watching. <laughs> so when it came to your, you know, actual involvement in baseball activities, was it during middle school where it got the most serious? At what point did it get, like, the most serious? And break it down. Like, right, was it during this moment where you were doing leagues, like you said, and break it down to the people, what specific leagues in Rhode Island you were a part of? So I say when I started taking baseball seriously as a career, like something I wanted to feed my family with, mm-hmm. I would say it was my sophomore year of high school. Like really? middle school, it was still like, really, I'm just going to the park and I'm having fun with my friends. You know, we're just going to play the game and go home and do homework. Yeah. But sophomore year of high school, that was when I was gearing everything around me to get better at baseball. Wow. Like even like... Like food, mm. you know, like, is this helping me or is it your is diet it not helping me? Right, starting your so diet. So it's like everything I was doing, I would ask myself the question of, is this making me better or is this making me worse? Yeah, you know, and that's when I say the obsession began. Like sophomore year of high school was when yeah. I really wanted to do this thing, and that was classical. That was that classical. Classical high school. Yes, sir. I think the is a whole room classical alumni. Damn near, let's say eighty percent classical alumni in the building. So, when it came to high school, was that like a tough decision for yourself? How was what was your process to get into classical? Was it like mine, where you took the test and everything? Did your parents kind of pressure you because of the eliteness, you know, surrounding classical and wanting to become a part of this for like academic wise to help you? What was was it the same process? What was that process of going to classical? So I feel like being a student. In Providence, classical is, like you said, like elite. And all of our parents want us to go to the best. And that's how it was with my parents. But you know, not a lot of people know this, but I didn't get into classical. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't get into classical. You know, I failed the exam. And I remember I was in uh, Mr. Hafey's class. He was my eighth grade teacher at Roger Williams in my Algebra One class. And everyone got in except for this one girl. And I still had not heard back from the school. And everyone's celebrating. I'm like, I still haven't received my acceptance letter yet. So how do they know, right? So I go home that day and I ask my mom. I'm like, hey, have you seen anything from classical saying that either I got in or I didn't get in? And I remember we made eye contact. And I could tell right away, like, it was not good news. And she came up to me. She gave me a hug. And she was like, you know, they didn't accept you, but they're making a mistake. You know, you're going to go somewhere else. and You're going to make them regret that they didn't accept you. You know, you're going to do great things and you're going to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the moment, I was sad. You know, it was a sad moment for me. But what my mom said really hit me. And I was like, you know what? It's their loss. I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I have to do. And I get back to school to Roger Williams and I tell Mr. Hafey I didn't get in. He was like, no way, like, I'm so sorry, but I think you should appeal. Mm. Then Miss Salisbury came into the picture. She was my English teacher. She was like, I also think you should appeal. 
Mm. And me having my pride, like, I was like, I'm not going to appeal. They don't want me. They don't want me. Fuck them. No, they don't want me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to prove them wrong. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't beg. I'm not going to beg them to, yeah, yeah. to accept me. And, you know, they gave me a whole speech. They sat me down, like, for 30 minutes and they convinced me. Like, they, they're like, put your, put your ego aside, put your pride aside. And this could be, a, like, a life-changing like path, yeah. right? Like a path. Like if mm-hmm. you go somewhere else and you go here, like your life could be totally different. So, wow. you know, I listened to them and I appealed. Didn't hear back from them all summer. Oh my god! And I was already doing summer homework for Paul Cuffey High School. Mm. That's where my brother was going at the time. So that's where you po- po- possibly would have went, right? So wow. that's where I was going. I was already doing summer homework. Damn. And then like a week before school started, I got a call from I think it was Mr. Toro, <laughs> right? Mm. Mr. Toro and. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mr. Toro. Yeah, he called yeah. me and they asked, he's like, hey, are you still interested in coming to classical? I was like, yes, sir. And he was like, all right, I'll see you first day of school. Hey. That's, that was my path into classical, man. Wow. And you think, obviously, your skills and, like, your respect that you had for your athletics and your background helped you? And also, did you have good grades going into it? Did you have, like, good um, actual middle school grades as well? I had really good grades. Really? I had really good grades. But at the time, I still didn't dominate the language. Oh. Like, eighth grade year was my first year when I was in regular English. Like, no bilingual. So I was still, you know, struggling with the, like, reading and writing portions. But math, like, I was always decent. And Mr. Hafey saw that in me, you know, that he's, like, this this kid's special. 100%. And he belongs. He belongs with the best, so... Shout out to Mr. Hafey and Ms. Salisbury. Shout out to them, because if it wasn't for them, we possibly wouldn't have Jeremy, the world champion, where he is right now today. Thanks. Wow, that's incredible. So now let's move more into the years of classical, because, you know, a couple of the gentlemen in here were actually on the team. Uh, I think, pull up the, I think it's behind you guys. Do you have the frame? Pull it up, show the people. So this was the classical team. This was the main team, right? Yeah, this was the team that won the chip. So break it down, Erlen. <laughs> I mean, shit. What was the year and everything? Was it 20, what, 14? 20? Read it. So, yeah, we won the 2014. We won the Region 4 Championship, Division 2. And Who's the coach? Yeah. It's a great year. Great coach year. Winook right there. Shout out to Coach Winook. Coach Hafey's around, too. I know that. JP, me, Dave. Man. A lot of the squad right squad, there. That was a crazy squad, man. Yeah, man. So talk about that. How was that experience being a part of that team and, you know, winning and, man, you guys were legends. You still, you still are legendary, you know, when it comes to Rhode Island school sports history. That team and that year is a, definitely a legendary one. What was your, you know, thoughts, experience in that? So I remember my freshman year, you know, I tried out for the team. They put me on JV. You know, most of you probably remember I was skinny kid, skinny, you know, yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah. No, and I was, I was not anything mm-hmm. special. Like I was just average, knew how to play the game, but I didn't. I couldn't wow anybody. And the the and hands, hands was kind. The hands was kind of crazy. I always, I always had hands, but very humble guy here. You know, <laughs> but keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have much, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember they put me on JV, and I would watch all the varsity guys. And I'm like, bro, all these dudes have on me a size. Mm. Like, these dudes cannot play. Like, over, and I'm thinking that just to myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, to not, motivate yourself. I'm not telling that to anybody, and then. I go to freshman season. I make like I average like an error game. Like I was terrible my freshman year. Wow. And 
Bro, I took that to heart. Like, I think that was a switch. You know, going into sophomore year, that's when I told you that I made the switch of is this something I really want to do? Yep. And that's when I started really taking it serious because I knew what I was about. You know, I knew I was small. I knew I wasn't the best, but I knew where my head was at. And uh, that was just a matter of showing it. So, Wow. So was 2014 the sophomore year? Or Sorry. 2014 was my junior year. Yeah, the so junior I was, year. I was sophomore year, right? Yeah, I was sophomore year. So yeah, then, the, so the junior year was when you won the championship. So the, the next year, the following year, right? Right. So break down that year and actually experiencing that. Coming from a freshman who had his struggles, you believed like you could be better. I'm sucking. What is going on? Looking at the JV, and then now you are, you know, on a championship team at Classical, and everyone's going to the games. Were they so, was it technically sold out games? It was packed. Let's say that. I'm not sure if you had to pay for a ticket, but it definitely it was definitely packed games yeah. all over the news. Everyone's talking about it, and especially when it came to you, you were one of the main people that people always mentioned. JP, go gotta go see JP at the game. Fast forward into that. How was that experience of this championship year at Classical? So I feel like once their class came up to varsity, yeah, they played JV their first year, but once they came. Game changers. To <laughs> came brought the I say that's when the the energy on the team shifted. changed. Yeah. You know, it shifted. Because our seniors at the time, they were winners. Like they won their freshman year. So they knew what it was like to win. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what winning was. Yeah. You were new. I always yeah. played on losing teams my whole life. Yeah. So you know, Tim Lombardi, shout out to him. He was our captain senior year yeah. and uh since mm-hmm. day one he shout out to him. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, since since day one, he uh, you know, he got the team together, and he was like, "Hey, like, let's make it happen this year." You know, we felt short the year before, and we have the necessary pieces to get it done. So, you know, everyone just play your role. Yeah. You know, no egos. It's all about winning. Forget about your stats. And yeah, that season, the whole team just came together, man. It was it was a gel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David at second base making errors. <laughs> nah, <laughs> I had one of, my, one of my best plays in my life. Nah, that was, a, that was my <laughs> uh, double, double play partner right there. My double play partner right there. So shout out to him. Man. So how, from your guys' perspective, how did Jeremy do that year? I mean, so be honest, be honest. No, nah, it, was, it was always smooth. Like we, every time he went up, you know what was going to happen. I, I would say the only thing that was always probably lacking was the bat. And then like, at the time, yeah. yeah, at the time, we always knew the hands was there. It was going to be crazy, mm-hmm. but just the bat. So, but I mean, it was, it was like something to see every time, you know, something spectacular for real. Like, it was it, like, you could, you could tell the talent was there. Like he was going to go crazy for real. So it was smooth. Yeah. Leader for sure. Yo, he's just saying that because I'm here, bro. Nah. <laughs> Once you leave, he's like, yeah, nah, he wasn't that great. He wasn't that great. He batted a hundred. He batted, nah, nah. It was, it was something to watch. I don't know if you can hear me. Nigga, there was one time, nigga. Uh, there was like a ball. Damn, this shit, my Goddamn, there was. This is why I, by the way, uh, you can't see me. But um, <laughs> there was one time. You know, there was a there was a hard hit ball or some shit. My first time pitching in varsity, a hard hit ball. My first at bat ever in varsity. Josiah grabs it center field against the fucking wall. It was almost a home run, nigga. And his nigga Jeremy says, "It's just a hard out. It's just a hard out. You're good." And I was like, "That no, I never forgot that." And it was like a sense of like anything that happens, we got you. It's gonna be fine, yeah. and that's what he brought. That was the best thing. Yeah, yes, sir. And that sure. speaks on the culture. You know, it's like you make an error, the pitchers on the mound are like, "We're gonna pick you up." You 
know, someone doesn't execute at the plate, the next batter up is, don't worry, bro, I'm going to get it done. You know, so it was like a, it was a real team. Yeah, we had, we yeah. had good chemistry. Yeah. We had good chemistry. That's what, that's what brought us far for sure. It was mm-hmm. like everybody knew each other, and it's like everybody was like a top player in that, in that position, really. Like, that's, that was crazy. True. I remember you guys had a, a lot of fun. I I heard some of the, let's not talk about it on camera, but I heard some of the locker room stories. <laughs> crazy locker room <laughs> environment over there on that baseball team. So when it came to your your following year, senior year, what was your experience your, your last year there at Classical? So I say senior year, everything changed, dude. Like, yeah, senior year, I was not even like, like I don't even want to say this on camera, but I wasn't even focused on school anymore. Really? Like, baseball was everything at the, at the time. Like, I was going to Dominican in the summers, and I would play in the Dominican training academies mm. with the Pittsburgh Pirates, mm. and they wanted to leave me there. And my brother there, and sign us as professionals, like professional baseball players with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And my father was the one that said, "No, you're gonna go to the states, you're gonna study, and if your baseball dreams are ever gonna happen, do it through school." And me being young, my goal, my dream is to play pro ball. Like I want to play in the big leagues, and this is an opportunity to a step into the door of that dream. So when he told me that, like, of course, I was not happy. Mm-hmm. And I went back to school and uh, started doing tryouts again. Mm-hmm. Went down to Florida to a perfect game tryout with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays scout team. And these dudes could play. Mm-hmm. Like, these dudes could play. I went down there. And still, even senior year, like, I was still skinny. Like, and my bat was still, yeah. you know, not really there. So when I went down there and I see these potential first rounders strong you know on the face of sports on the cover of sports illustrated balling out and i felt like i was behind Mm. you know i felt like i was behind here in providence i was decent but over there i felt behind and i had a decent tournament you know i competed and a scout for the arizona diamondbacks kept following me after that you know into the winter he came up north he went to our practices at PSL inside the Elma Community Center and everything started to snowball for that other scouts started showing up wow. you know senior senior year in the games like they would come to our games and they'll keep me after the games to work out for them and that's when everything was moving fast like man like this is really this really thing could really happen mm-hmm. so senior year was a uh, uh, very different years from the from the previous. Wow, that's amazing. And for those who don't know, so you were always in the same position, shortstop, throughout your entire even like middle school, the leagues, and then into going into high school. Or did you start with like different positions? So I always played shortstop on the small fields. Once I got to the big fields, I actually played with my brother, my older brother, and he played shortstop, and I played second base. So we had the. Uh, you know, the Peña's up the middle. He was always better than me. Really? So he always played, like, above me. Mm. But he was older. Like, I always played with the with the older guys. Yeah. But, yeah, so I played second base as well. Wow, okay. And then, obviously, you're... Because I, I, I know baseball, but I'm definitely not an expert. So that was... um, Is it when it comes to that type of um situation in baseball, 
you decide like if you want to play that position or is it sort of like a situation where the team is like you play this best so we're going to make you do this like were you always destined for shortstop or do you feel like you could have been better at where you started with the different base positions i mean i say everyone's got their position but the team decides where you play so you could be a shortstop but if they need you at second base you willingly will do that you know and that's how yeah. i felt with the classical team i felt like there were no egos where if you're a shortstop and your travel ball team and now you get to classical and someone else is playing shortstop, you're going to be like, right, I'm not going to play if I'm not a shortstop. Yeah. I felt like we were all willing to try different positions to make put together the best team possible. And uh, that's why I think we had the, the year we had. So. so now fast forwarding. As for what, because this is the point in time now in high school where you're like, you're really aspiring to be somebody, right? What were the workouts that you were doing by yourself? What were the, what, what, what was the regimen that you would have for those who are aspiring to get there? They're in high school right now. What, what was that regimen for you? What was your father teaching you or showing you or telling you? And, and what was that mindset that you had that, that was strong enough to say, I'm not going to take these opportunities right now, even though the opportunities are coming right now, what was that? Like, what was that mindset? What was the physical work? What was the mental work? Man. So, sophomore year, like I said, when I started taking it more serious, I'll show up to school early, and I see these dudes running pickup games. It's early, like hours before school started. These dudes run pickup games at the basketball court. And I would go into the gym and you know, peek my head in and say what's up to the guys. Yep, and then go, go eat breakfast, go to the cafeteria. And then I was like, bro, if these dudes could get up early to run pickup games, why can't I get up early and get some work in before school? Mm-hmm. So what I started doing was I started waking up early and I would grab my tire. You know, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> I, had this, <laughs> I had this tire where I would wrap it with a rope, you know, because... We don't have sleds. You know, we don't have fancy equipment. So I had this tire, tied with a rope. I'll go to the field, Ardawing, really close to my house, and I'll do sprints with the tire behind me. You know, mm. I'll drag pull the, the tire, and, you know, I'll do that in the mornings. And I'll get dressed, take the bus to school, go to school, get out, go to baseball practice, and then guess what? We had baseball practice with PSL as well. So it was like... Like nonstop the whole day. Jesus. And then you had to do homework. And that's when I tell you that, you know, I didn't really start taking school a little serious. Yeah, because yeah, you're like, this is not baseball. What am I, what I got to do this for? Right. Way? But at the same time, like I knew how important school was because if I was trying to play at a Division One school or and I couldn't get in because of grades, but the coach wants me, then that's going to hurt me. 100%. If I can't get in because of grades. 100%. So I always try to make good grades, but the, the focus was always baseball. Yeah. Okay, so. so then fast forward into now the actual moments of you potentially, you know, becoming like you you know, or let's let's state the question this way better. When was the actual moment that you realized, wow, I'm possibly going to be in the MLB? You were getting scouted, but was there specific moment prior to draft, prior to everything that you felt like, oh damn, this is definitely going to happen? So we always dream. As kids, you know, and my dream has always been to play in the big leagues. And it looks it looks so far away. 
You know, it looked so far away. And it didn't matter what you did, it was still far away. But something my dad always told me was, you want to have a great year? How do you have a great year? You have great months. You want to have great months? You have great weeks. You want to have great weeks? Have great days. You just stack up great days on top of great days. And by the time you look up, you had a phenomenal year. And that's what I started really putting into practice was stacking great days. All right, today I'm going to have a great day of workouts. I'm going to do what I have to do in school and then go to sleep, wake up in the morning, have another great day. I didn't want to put the pressure of it's so far away. How am I going to do it? It was just I'm going to do the work today. Done with that day. Let's go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Do the work today. Go on to the next one. And I think that mentality really made the journey a little easier mm -hmm. because you feel like you achieved something at night. Mm -hmm. Like you had that great day. It's like immediate gratification. Like you feel the achievement that day. But if the goal is to get to the big leagues, go to sleep at night, it's like, I'm still not in the big leagues. You wake up the next day, it's like, I'm still not in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. But when you take it day by day, you could go to bed like, I achieved today. I yeah. won today. You yeah, know, you're won you're working at it. You're working right. at it. Wow. So, so then, so when was these, uh, this, um, this moment, this phone call or this moment that happened where it clicked to you, you know, and you were like, shit, this is, <laughs> this is definitely going to happen. Was there a sort of like a relationship that you formed with someone? Uh, it could have been literally with the Astros or was it someone else that had involvement in the MLB at the time? So my senior year, when everyone's getting ready to graduate, you know, handing in, you know, last minute assignments across the stage, I was doing pre-draft workouts. Wow. So my parents would drive me. They drove me to Philadelphia, New York, uh, Buffalo. Buffalo's next to Canada. Yeah, it's way far, up there. Yeah. And <laughs> I was doing pre-draft workouts. But again, I felt behind to the other players. Mm. I felt like... At the workouts. Like, at the workouts. like I felt like I always had the hands, but I didn't really stand out. So... I ended up getting drafted the day before graduation by the Atlanta Braves in the 39th round. You know, not a lot of people know that, but you know my, my close friends know. And graduation day, Mr. Palazzo comes up to me. He's like, hey, congratulations on the draft. That's huge for the school. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? And my initial response to him was quick. It was, I'm going pro. Going play, yeah. Like, I want to play. Like, I'm going pro. Like, this is my dream. And my parents are like, what do you want to do? And I look at him like, like, this is it. Like, my dream is waiting right here. Like, I could touch it. And my mo mother, my father, they told me, I think you should go to school. Wow. And again, I'm like, what are you saying, man? Like, my dream is to play in the big leagues. Don't want to waste more time. I don't want to waste more time. Yeah. Right, this game doesn't wait for anybody. You know, yeah. the game keeps going. I think you should go to school. The scout calls me. Hey, what's your decision? Like, what are you, what are you gonna do? And I told my hey, man, can you please give me more time to think about it? Yeah, it's a life decision. Right. So he gave me a month. Wow. He gave me a month to decide. He said, like, I got you. I got you. I'll give you a month. He gave me a month, and. You never hear about it because kids either know if they want to play or not. 
So they either turn it down or they take it. But I was so in between that I told the scout, he's like, hey, he told me, hey, I know where you're coming from, but you need to make up your mind. Yeah. You know, you got to be a man and make the decision. I said, like, please, just give me a month and I'll get back to you. How old were you at the time for perspective? Was I 18? was 17. 17. I 17 graduated high 18. school at 17. Wow. And I played in summer ball in Connecticut for that month. It was a collegiate summer ball. So my head coach at Maine had that connection to that team. And it was all college players. So they were older than me. And I'm living in Connecticut with a host family. The first time I'm away from my family. And I'm sleeping on the couch, like just playing ball, going back to the host family. And I'm struggling again, dude. Like, I could not compete with these guys. And these guys were not superstars. Like, these guys were just average college players. And at night, dude, I remember I was crying one night. And I was telling myself, like, if I can't play here, how am I going to play pro ball? Like, none of these guys are playing pro ball. Yeah, they're dominating me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Maine. I'm going to prepare. And I'm never going to have that feeling again of not feeling like I was ready. Yeah. You know, and that's when I made my decision to go to the University of Maine. So you wanted to make sure that you were ready. Why Maine? So the process for schools was happened early for me and happened quick. Mm-hmm. So... It was my sophomore year. We were practicing. Me and Frank Salcedo, he was my summer coach. And he asked me, hey, have any schools contacted you? I said, no, I don't, I don't have any offers. I don't have any schools looking at me. He's like, well, my little brother, Jonathan Salcedo, he's a catcher at the University of Maine. I think we should make a scouting video, send it to the coach, see what he thinks. I'm like, yeah, great idea. Let's do it. So we make a video, send it up to the coach. Two days later, he's at my practice. Damn. He came right down. He was like, hey, I want to watch you catch ground balls. And I want to watch you hit. And we did a workout in front of him. He stayed for a game we played the next day. I remember I made an error, and I was freaking out. I'm like, all right, he's not going <laughs> to. So you blew it. He's not going to want me. And then I remember the whole game, I was just paying attention to him. Like, I was even paying attention to the game. Like, I was looking at him through yeah. the side of my eyes, and he yep. was on the phone and walking around. And I'm like, The stereotypical thing. Is like, oh, yeah, and I'm like, man, like, just this dude recommend. does not want me. Yep. Two days later, he invites me for an unofficial visit to Maine. And I stayed with the Jonathan Salcedo kid at his apartment. And took me around campus, you know, showed me campus. And they're like, hey, we, we want you. We want you. I was like, Yes, yes, I'm coming. Like, that was my first offer, and the first one I accepted. Like, I didn't wait out to hear from other schools. Like, I just said, yes, wow. yes, let's do it, you know? And then my senior year, I grew. You know, I got a little stronger. And when there were talks for the draft, all the other schools started showing up. Like URI, Boston College, UConn, St. John's. You know, they all started showing up. And uh, at the time, Boston College was a powerhouse. Yeah. So... Everybody wanted to play at Boston College. But, you know, I had a moment of reflection where I sat down and I told myself that that coach from Maine, Steve Trimper and Nicholas Derba, they saw it in me before I saw it myself and before all the other schools saw it too, you know? Yeah. They saw it when I was a skinny kid where I couldn't really hit. 
And that's what drove me to stay true to my commitment because I could have backed up and went somewhere else. But what made me stay true was that they believed in me before any other school did. And even though Maine was freezing cold and not the powerhouse school, I still felt like they were going to give me the opportunity to play, which that's what I wanted to do. And they were going to give me the opportunity to get better and go into Pro Bowl. So that's how I made my decision to go to Maine. And for those who don't know, how long did you last at Maine? Three years. Three years. And what was your journey through Maine? Like stepping in there as a freshman and then your final year, what was your entire experience there at Maine? So freshman year, you know, I got to Maine and, you know, a lot of coaches do this where they do whatever it takes to bring you into the school. But once you're in the school, now you're just one of the guys. Yeah. It's up to you now. When they're recruiting you, you're the special player where everything revolves around you because they tell you everything you want to hear. Mm -hmm. So you commit to their school. But once you're there, you're just part of the team. Yep. You're not special anymore. Yep. You know, and uh, that's how I felt. You know, I got there and everyone was as good as me or better than me. Everyone was stronger than me. Everyone was faster than me. And the first day we have a team meeting, he calls me out and another player out to stay after. So everyone leaves. It's just me and another player. And he told us, you guys are my shortstops. Like, it's either going to be you or you playing shortstop. Oh, my God. So (laughs) you guys are competing against each other. And that's the first time I'm like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm like, damn, this kid's a beast. Yeah, the pressure's on. He's coming from Miami. Like, he played at this... Division one school, state champs. And I, I remember going and watching his highlights on YouTube. I'm like, it's good. This dude's the truth. Bro. Yeah. Hmm. And funny enough, he was my best friend leaving the school after. Wow. You know, but at the moment, like, we kind of had that. The rivalry. That rivalry. That's natural. You know, and. Uh, oh, shout, what's his name? Shout him out. Sauce. That's uh, my boy till his day. Yep, I think I've seen him. Uh, you repost him a couple times. Definitely. Right, so it was me and Danny Sauce. And in the scrimmages, we'll play short, he'll play second, then I'll play second, he'll play short, I play third. Wow. I've never played third before, but <laughs> he's just throwing you around. And yeah. that's the first time in my life where everywhere you went, every position, we had dudes. I'm like, dude, can I even play here? You know, and uh, then opening day, he told me I was, I made the team, you know, they put the roster up. We're going to Clemson. We're going mm-hmm. to play at Clemson. And you're going to be my shortstop. So wow. <laughs> since that day, man, like, Danny Casales played second base. And then he ended up being a third baseman and signed with the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So wow. it's cool, man. Wow. And then so now fast forwarding to your last year there at Maine and the draft coming up. The second draft, because that's another thing. I'm sitting here chilling, but my mind is blown. I never knew the actual fact that you, even when I look, when you look it up, I, unless it's probably there, it's probably a part of the find. Maybe it's not there. I don't know. I didn't see that in the these couple of weeks doing research and stuff. I didn't see that story at all of you um, being drafted right away out of high school, but then declining the offer and then going to school. And it's like, 
God's timing because obviously you see how everything's aligned now. But when you hear it back, it's like extremely fascinating. Your story is like, wow, there's so many layers to it. But now going to the second draft, how did you feel? Was there pressure? Because it's like, okay, here we go again. And it's like, at this point, I mean, technically there could be a chance of uh, you having to deal with it a third time, but it's like you don't want to deal with that because, like, right. you know, at that point, it's like the chances are way, way more slimmer. So how was that experience going from, you know, in that moment of your last year at Maine and now, okay, the draft's coming up? What, 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 were, what were the rumblings that you were hearing? What was the emotion that was going through your mind? So going into junior year, I knew that I was going to get drafted. I just didn't know where, but I knew I was going to get drafted. And What made you say that at that time? Was there teams, like, hitting you up? The like coach? That, so that you camp? always had the, the scouts, yeah. you know, talking to you, reaching out to you, doing the questionnaires, doing the eye tests, doing the reaction tests on this computer. And so you knew you were getting drafted, getting but you just at, yeah. didn't know when. Okay. And going into junior year, that's when I had to double down. No, I started you know, eating more because what my knock was that I was skinny and I wasn't strong. So, you know, I started lifting, you know, eating more, put on some weight. And, yeah, the season, we had a great year. You know, I had a great season. And, yeah, they came up to our conference tournament. I remember, and I never spoke to the Houston Astros. Really? Pre-draft. I never spoke to the Houston Astros. Spoke with every other team except with Houston. The team that drafted. Pre-draft workouts with the Blue Jays. I thought the Blue Jays really wanted me, you know, and yeah, the Astros never really reached out to me. So so when it came to, like, so that was all a surprise to you, the actual draft night and everything, when it came to, like, they – being the ones that select you and everything, it was all, like, you had no sense of, like, oh, they I, I knew I was going to possibly go here at all. So, let's go back weeks, a yeah. couple weeks before draft night. Mm -hmm. We're doing pre-draft workouts. I get invited to Buffalo, again, with the Blue Jays. And Pete Holmes, scout with the Blue Jays, he, he liked me. You know, he... Wanted to draft me. He just didn't know where. So he invited me to a pre-draft workout in Buffalo with, like, six other players. And other workouts I've gone to in the past, there have been, like, 50 players. But this mm. time, there were only six of us. Exclusive. And all the scouts were there, the front office, the GMs. So I'm like, dude, this is it. If we're here, it's because they really want us. Mm -hmm. So we go through the workout. Again, you know, I have good defense hitting. I was in the mix, but... I'm not going to wow you, wow you in practice. Mm -hmm. Running, I was always decent. And, yeah, I had a pretty normal workout. You know, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just average. So when draft night came up, I was expecting the Blue Jays. Like, Blue Jays were my team. Every time the Blue Jays came up, I would you know, pay more attention to it. And I knew I was going to get drafted in the first round. I knew I wasn't probably going to get drafted in the complimentary rounds. But I had a better idea of what I was going up against. You know, in high school, I didn't know what I was going up against. Yeah. Now I've seen the college players that I get picked in the first round, 
and I've played against him. And I'm like, that dude's not better than me. Kind of match mm-hmm. up, yeah. yeah match like, up a little better, like, yeah. That dude's not that much better than me, you know. So when draft night comes up, I'm in the couch and uh, pretending like I'm not watching the draft. I think all <laughs> nonchalant with my parents, you know. My dad was really into it. And, <laughs> and you know, we're, we're just watching it. And I'm just sitting on the couch, like, pretending like I'm, I'm not even watching. And the Blue Jays call. And they asked me, hey, the complimentary first-rounders are getting picked soon. Are you willing to take less than slot money? Like, we would like to take you, but are you willing to take less? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> what? I was like, yo, just pick me. Like, that's all I want to do. Like, I just want to play. Like, yes, sir, let's do it. How else would it be for people who don't know for perspective? What what would that slot money kind of entail total-wise? slot money for the complimentary round was like a million dollars. Wow. And okay. I was like, dude, I was like, bro, you serious? I'll take like, a little less. Give me take half and take the rest. Take a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> but... I was like, yes, let's do it. Like, I was so excited. I told my dad, I'm like, yo, the Blue Jays just called me. You know, their pick is coming up. And it was like, with the whatever selection, the Blue Toronto Blue Jays select, they name another player. And mm. and I know the name, but I'm not going to say the name. You know, I took that <laughs> name to heart. That's the Blue Jays. You guys messed up. We all, we all know the name. <laughs> <laughs> we all but, know the name. You know, it took another player. And, <laughs> you know, it hurt. You know, because it got me kind of excited. And then, you know, it let me down. So I stopped watching the draft after that, you know. And that was round one? That was the complimentary picks after round one. So they do round, the first round. Then they do, like, ten more picks after that. But it's still considered kind of like the first round. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they didn't pick me. My agent called me up. He was like, hey, man, like, it's a bummer, you know. But, you know, we got picked day two. And I knew I was going day two. I think the Red Sox had me slotted in round four. Uh, the Blue Jays. <laughs> I think the Blue Jays had me slotted in the fourth round as well. So I'm like, all right, I'm going in the fourth tomorrow, second day. How was that night of sleep before? Like, I mean, it was tough. You know, it was tough because Fuck. you thought it was going to happen. Yeah. And it, it didn't. So the next day comes up, same thing. My parents are watching the draft again, and I'm in my room. I'm not even watching this time. Holding clothes, doing laundry, and I never do laundry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time you My boy was on in deep and, and everything dude, like, was like, yo. I'm just trying to find a way to get, escape yeah, your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Reading his first book. To get away from it. <laughs> yeah. You know? and I'm over here folding clothes and playing some J. Cole in the background. <laughs> and some Drake. Then, uh, <laughs> my agent calls me again. He's like, hey, man, I just got a call. You're either going to go to the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Astros or to the Cincinnati Reds and they were all like back to back to back picks so I'm like whoa alright cool hang up still not watching the draft and my sister sprints into the room my mother sprints into the room the Houston Astros drafted in the third round. Oh my hey, God. Let's go. Dude, like, I stopped folding clothes right there, dude. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't need to fold clothes anymore, but you know, I hugged the family. And, man, it was a special day for sure. Oh my God. Yeah, man. You, your life changed forever. And that was 2018. 2018. Yes, sir. 2018. So then, in that moment, you felt like, okay, not mission accomplished, but okay, now. This is what I wanted. I'm in 
the big leagues now? What was that moment, that feeling? So the moment was, the feeling was, now I can invest everything I have into just baseball. Yeah. I don't need a balanced school. I don't need a, you know, I don't need to balance other things. I don't need to worry about anything else but baseball. So it was kind of like weight off my shoulders and let's get it done. You know, let's do it. So there was a a lot of feelings the first two days, you know, because they flew me out the day later to Houston to sign the contracts, a bunch of physicals. And once I signed that contract, dude shook my hand, gave me a hat. He was like, yeah, you're going to Troy, New York, in Albany, and that's where your your first assignment is going to be. That's where you're going to play. And that was... That was real. That's when I was like, this is it, you know? Yeah. Let's do it. Wow. So then now, fast forwarding, because obviously your situation, is, and I feel like in baseball, is more unique than most sports, to be honest, especially the main ones, because there's definitely a, a D league in basketball. For, but for the most part, when they sign the players, you know, they have them on the team right away. The rookies. You know, they have them on the team, whether they're on the bench, whatever the case may be. But in baseball, you weren't right away on the official team. So what was that process of break it down? What was your, you know, the following year, your involvement with the Houston Astros organization? So for the people that don't know, baseball, we have we have levels to go up. You know, just like the NBA has the, the G League or the D League, we have, you know, rookie ball, we have single a we have double a we have triple a and then you have the big leagues you know and a lot of people don't know that yeah that's a lot it's i didn't know that many it's yeah. a lot you know? and then we have the dominican league as well yes yeah, true so those kids that sign internationally they're coming all the way from the lowest of the lows mm-hmm. and when they get to the big leagues they've already gone through six different levels mm-hmm. so it's it's tough you know that's why they say it's the percentage of people that make it to the big leagues is so slim that you know, it's it's tough, but, you know, my first year was in Troy, New York, with the Tri-City Valley Cats, and that was short season A, so that was, like, rookie ball for the draft guys. It was, like, a season that starts midway through the year, because that's when we draft, and then they just throw you there, let you kind of fill out your first year. It's, like, a half a year, and then you come back the next year and play your first full season. Mm-hmm. So they threw me in that. You know, short season, and dude, I think that's the lowest I've ever been in my life. Mm, like, really, that's the lowest point of my career, bro. Like, really, like it wasn't even that I was struggling, but I had stress fractures on my shins. I felt like I couldn't tell them because injuries already and shit. Yeah, right. You don't you don't want to tell the organization because they're gonna say, "Yo, we just drafted this kid. He's already hurt." Yeah, he's unvaluable now. He doesn't matter much. Right. And I'm like, all right, it's my first year. I can't be hurt. I gotta play through it. And I find a way to just play through it. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Like it got to the point where I wake up in the morning in bed and I'll contemplate walking to the bathroom. Wow. And I'm like, bro, I gotta pee, but do I really need to take those steps? To the bathroom. Like, that, that's how much it hurt. Like, wow. my shins. And my head coach at the time, you know, Jason Bell, you know, shout out to him. He's uh, one of the best coaches I've had in pro ball. He, he saw me limping in practice, and he would see me, like, trying to fight through it. He would ask me, like, Yo, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing I've never had before. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm cool. 
And it kept getting worse. And he was like, all right, go check it out. Go to get an MRI and let the doctors look at it. And when it came back, you know, I had stress fracture, you know, so much inflammation. And they put me in a boot, you know, and my season was over. You know, they put me in a boot. My season was over. But they usually, when you get hurt, they send you down to our spring training, which yeah. was in West Palm, to rehab. But they left me with a team. To this day, I don't know why they did that, but, but they, they left me with a team, team, you know, and every day when I was just seeing people playing, you know, and I was just on the bench where I couldn't really do anything. It was it was tough, you know, like at night. I was be like, what am I doing? Like, am I even built for this? I was contemplating everything, like second-guessing myself. And, and we, we come from a culture where you can't really open up about that. Yeah, you know, like I, I couldn't call, call my dad, dad and be like, "I'm down, like, I'm sad." Yeah, you know, it's so like we come, come from a culture where it's like you're a man through it. Yeah, you're a man, you just push through it. Like, mm-hmm. What are you sad for? You got everything you got. Exactly. exactly. Like, and dude, I would cry at night. Like, am I really built for this baseball life? Away from everybody in the middle of New York, alone. by myself, alone. And all my friends having fun, and I'm over here in bed, like, contemplating my life. Like, everything's not adding up how I envisioned it. And, yeah, you know, I just grinded that year, man. Like, I just grinded that year. Try to get the workouts. I get them in how I could, try to do something. Cause I was just going crazy. And we ended up winning a championship that year. You know, shout out to those players. They, they put the work in, you know, but... Going to into that off season, that's when I was like, all right, like get my shit together, you know. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna yeah. get my shit together, you know. I'm gonna get my shit together, and like we ain't gonna have those lows, you know. We we gonna we gonna make this happen. So that wow. first year was a learning point for me, for sure. So that first year was twenty. What year was this? Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. So then, coming back twenty nineteen, you're healed now. Exactly. What was the experience there, and were you still in the same position when it came to the the minor type of leagues? Were you still in that same position, same process, and just doing a year there again? So they actually called me in January and said that I was going to be part of the minicamp team. And for those of you who don't know, the minicamp team, it's like uh, 10 to 12 players that come into spring training earlier with the big league guys as like a backup so in the beginning of spring training, the big leaguers don't play the full game. You know, they play two innings. Yeah, they play innings, two, yeah. three innings, get their at-bats in, and then the, the filling guys come and finish the game. You know, and that's what I was doing. I was like, whoa, like, that's cool. Like, so you're one step away. Right, right I'm like, there, yeah. bro, like, I'm on mini camp. Like, Official got team. to meet all the big leaguers. And I remember my first game at Port St. Lucie versus the Mets. I'm shaking, dude. Like, I'm shit. It's a spring training game. Wait, is this when Degrom or is that 2020? No, no, that wasn't that wasn't Degrom. That was a uh, that was a different year. Okay, but I was in. No, no, no. But I'm there and I'm catching ground balls with with all these guys. You know, I remember Bregman was at third base, and I was kind of like, whoa, <laughs> like that dude's right there. I watch him on TV, 
And now he's next to me catching ground balls, you know, and call ground balls with them. And Joe Spada, our bench coach, he kept me there. Hit me ground balls, hit me ground balls. Like everyone wants a hit, he kept hitting me ground balls, hitting me ground balls. And he told somebody, I don't know who he told, he told me this when I got to the big leagues, that he told somebody that he wanted me at minicamp every single day. So it was, Damn. they'll give you a day at minicamp with the big leaders, then they'll give someone else an opportunity, then they'll give someone else, and then you come back like the fourth day. But he was like, I want him here every single day, every single game as a backup. So I'm like, what does this guy see in me? You know, so I didn't really have spring training with the minor leaguers. I was always at minicamp with the big leaguers. And when the first season started, you know, I started off hot. When they sent me back to the minors, like, I was already hot, you know. I was with my chest out. Like, I already played with the big leaguers. Like, I feel good, you know. So I had a really good season. Midway through the year, uh, made an all-star team. Got called up to Fayetteville, North Carolina. You know, I was playing Iowa before that. You know, Davenport, Iowa. Got called up to North Carolina and, you know, finished finished a strong year. So that second year was, like, my welcome into pro ball. Like, this is what I could do. Yeah. You now this is where I showed the organization what I could do. Oh, yeah. And y'all got another chip, too, that year, right? Like, that's... that's uh, Made it to the finals. We lost oh, to the finals, man. Dead. Last game. Last game. That was high. Okay. That was high. Wow. Man. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you probably obviously felt like, okay, you especially being in minicamp, being around the big-time names that you saw growing up, it's like, okay, now I feel like I'm stepping in the right direction. Now transitioning to that third year, what was the actual, you know, process in the moments transitioning from, you know, a successful, you know, year at the high A, now transitioning to the third year there? So my third year, I went into spring training. I got invited to the big league camp this time. I was in a mini camp no more. Okay. I was in the clubhouse with the big leaders. The big boy camp. With the big boys, yeah. you know, my locker. I had Carlos Correa to my left. Mm. had Alex Bregman to my right. Wow. And I'm just here. Dude. Crazy. Like, crazy. Like, and, you know, we're just practicing and COVID hits. Mm. That's when COVID hit, you know. It, that is true. It started off as a doctor or some dude came into the clubhouse and he was like, hey, this is what COVID is. Mm. This is where it started. This is how it's affecting people. This is how it's spreading. You know, just don't sign anything for the fans. Don't high five fans. We're going to keep playing. Second day comes up. Dude comes back in. Hey, this is COVID. Now we are going to wear, no, nah, we didn't wear masks. They were like, all right, this is COVID. We're not going to, we're going to stay away from each other. We're not going to, same thing, don't have five fans. Stay away from people. Use hand sanitizer. Yeah. And the third day, I was like, all right, spring training is canceled. Hmm. First, it started off with college. Like, college just started canceling their season. I'm like, what's going on? And then it was, all right, everyone pack up. You're going home. Yeah, and I was supposed to start in Double A that that year, and COVID hit. We all went home, and the season picked back up. The big league season picked back up, and like later in the year, they only played sixty games, but they got the season in, and they put me on like an alternative site where you're there in case the big leaguer gets COVID or if they get hurt, then they call a player up from the alternative site. So that was my third year. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Listen, man, you definitely faced obstacles along <laughs> every single 
Uh, Damn I'm moment saying, It's like yeah. God kept testing you Testing you Testing you Testing you Cause like This is the third year The biggest year Biggest moment Potentially obviously Being big time With the big times You got your lockers Next to them Everything The moment's real And then Boom The world Happens natural You know Pandemic Something that you can't control Right You know And it wasn't just me Like it affected everybody Everyone right you know, It affected everybody yeah. And then It was just a matter of What are you gonna use This time for like, are you just going to go home, sit on your butt, and wait for a decision? Yeah, yeah. Or are you actually going to use this time to your advantage and get better? And the way I saw it, I went up to Maine because Maine, when the school is not there in the summer, it's kind of like a ghost town. Mm. So there, when people left with COVID, it was kind of like a ghost town. So it was perfect. Exactly. Yourself, we had yeah. the facilities, and there were no people there. Yeah. So I was like, bro, that's the perfect opportunity for me. We found a barn that had a cage. We were hitting that barn, dude, like, all day. and Man, like, that was. Wow. A barn? Like, on a, like a real deal barn on a farm? It was a barn. Someone's backyard. <laughs> dude hit us up. Hey, we have a cage. Wow. And we hopped in that barn. You know, they had a machine and everything, like a pitching machine. Damn. And, yeah, man, we got it done in there. So well, For a circle moment, coming from the kid at the farm in the yard, now you back at a farm. <laughs> Potentially in the big league, prepping yeah. yourself for the next moments. Wow. Is that sure. when you really got big? Like, there's a point when you really got big. Like, that, that, that. <laughs> Started eating. <laughs> I mean, Started man, eating a lot of Raisin Kings. COVID, he's just eating, working out, and playing video games. That's when I put on some weight. You know, yeah, that's the up. first time when I wasn't really all out all day. You know, like, usually my whole life I've been going at it all day, but that was the first time where I would get my work in, and then it was like, all right. Play some video games, you know, and yeah, yeah man. And what sweet. was the weight change for the people who don't know? Like, what was like? Do you recall the numbers? Like, how drastic was this weight change that you went through? I do. So going into college, bro, my freshman year going into college, I was 150 pounds, Whoa. soaking wet, what? bro, 150 yeah, pounds. Saying, yeah, well, and then my freshman year to sophomore year, I was like at 165, mm. and then I was like at 175. Wow, and it was like. 186 that's where i drafted like at 186 then after my first year pro ball i was like 194 195 and my second year was like 203 and right now i'm like 206 so do you have like a goal weight like that you were aiming for or was it just like when when you felt right like i'll stop here when i feel right when i feel like good right now so i never really thought about the weight when i left college like in college i Really made an effort to put on weight. But once I got into pro ball, the focus was just to get stronger, you know, get faster. And then putting on weight was just a you know, product of that. So, yeah, yeah like, I tell you what, it was like, I didn't really focus on putting on the weight. Every time you came home, you're just a little bit bigger. I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you doing, bro? <laughs> now, I mean, speaking about weights and shit, and we see some of those pictures, you coming out the water, that picture is like straight. Chiseled, <laughs> hey, good angles, <laughs> but um, like, what what are you benching right now? What's your bench? What's your squat? Like, you feel me? Are you are you in the gym going crazy or Erlen's trying to outbench you right now? <laughs> <laughs> that was See, a moment. The thing is, I don't really bench. I do like dumbbells, curls. Like, I don't yeah. do the bar. Okay, benching, but my bench is not good. Like, probably bench ninety fives mm-hmm. on the floor. Like, I don't really do it on a bench either. Like, okay. I do it off the floor. But How many push-ups can you do, like, in a row? 
don't know. It's the real questions people want to know. Want to do it right now? Let's tell what we got. How many you got? Vic got like four, four for you. Probably probably like thirty. Probably thirty. My boy, my boy's been at Edge Fitness. He's been working. Thirty would get me gas. No, you could do more than thirty. I think the most I've done push-ups at once, no break, was fifty. Okay, that's the most I've done. Like wrapping them out and. Without thinking about it though, like without putting a, what I'm I don't know, man. I feel, oh. like, I feel like when I, that's tough, man, because I don't, I don't, I can't really. Let's do it right now. Out. Let's do some push-ups. Let's oh, go, Vic. Let's see it. Peter, get the camera. Get the camera, Peter. Vic. Yeah, you got to adjust this one. This nigga do this goddamn thing. He's trying to relax. He's trying to relax. Damn, bro. He's trying to relax. Damn, bro. He's trying to relax. Damn, bro. He's trying to yeah, that's a good. That's a Am good I good on camera? Yeah, you're good. Nah, you're wait, good. wait, 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 wait. Nah, so we're doing on this camera. Straighten out your back, bro. Straighten out your back. Straighten out your back. Yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Tighten up your butt. Tighten up your butt. Like yeah, yeah. We good? Yeah, go. There you go. Hey, one, two, three. You're not hitting thirty, bro. Four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 16, Ooh, 17, 30, 19, 20, 10 more, 10 more, 10 more, 2, 3, you got it, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 2 more, 2 more, 2 more, 2 more, 9, 9, Sorry for dying, right 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 Sorry for dying, bro. Right 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 I didn't think you could do it. You did it. Now let's go. I think you got me beat. Knock this shit out. Ten seconds. Yeah. I love how Brian's gonna answer. Brian's gonna answer. I know. Look at him. He can't control himself. You can't. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and one for good measure right there. Yeah, warming you up Whoa. for the for the the Spanish team, the Dominican team. Yeah, yeah, warming them up. Damn, bro. <laughs> get him a bottle. Get him an extra bottle of water. Woo. Listen, man. Yeah, that's how we get that late late night grind right there. <laughs> oh, this camera's messed. Listen, man. I shocked myself there because I haven't been to the gym in like a week. Yo, Victor, I I swear <laughs> I didn't think you could do it. You think I do it, right? I think you could do it. You did it though. <laughs> Fuck that shit up, man. Uh, Listen, I'm 175 right now. I'm 175. 170. I lost five. I'm 175. So I lost let me five. ask a question real quick. So, 2020 is the COVID year, right? You're just training. 
So the end of the year, are you going to? Is that the year that you go to DR and you win rookie? Is that the year? or Is that twenty one? That's the year. That's the year. That's the year. That's that's really. I feel like that really catapulted you into really being considered um, behind Correa, like immediate behind Correa, because that was an incredible season. You won rookie of the year for the league of La, La Liga Dominicana, right? The whole league, right. La, 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 La Liga entera. Right. Wow. So let him catch his breath. Damn, bro. <laughs> Got me gassed. <laughs> <laughs> But, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, COVID year hit, and we didn't have a minor league season. You know, yeah. Big leaguers only played sixty games. The minor leaguers didn't play. But I was blessed because the year before I was drafted into the Dominican League, so I had that opportunity to play winter ball. Yeah, you know, and being a Dominican kid, it's a dream. Oh yeah. So I played. You know, I had a good year. Uh, one rookie of the year there. And the competition there, I always say if you could play in the Dominican, you could play anywhere. Not just because of the talent, but because of the atmosphere. Yeah, everyone like, wants it. Everyone there wants exactly, it. Every single like, one. That's where you learn to play winning baseball. Yeah. That's where I learned to play winning baseball because, dude, there people don't care. Yeah. If you go 0 for 4 and the team wins, everyone's happy. You have a good game and the team loses, no one cares you had a good game. Yeah. It's about winning. So, like in the States, we have football, basketball, boxing. You know, we have hockey. We have all these sports to look forward to, you know? But in the Dominican, all we have is baseball. baseball. We have rappers <laughs> and we have baseball players. Yep. You know, there's no nothing else. Yeah. So, the fans look forward to, to the Dominican season all year. And when the year comes... It's over, dude. So if you could play there in that environment, I think you could play anywhere. Yeah, because they, they bleed baseball. There's something about the Dominican culture in baseball that I feel like through the end of times, from the beginning, forever, all of my childhood, still in adulthood, my parents, they always talked about Licey, Hola, lo he cogido. Like, it's always, like, a thing about picking a team. It was, like, bloods and crips almost. Like, <laughs> like, t- like family know, members would be mad at other family members because they liked the other team. Like, the Dominican uh, baseball teams is serious. It is, bro. It is. Bro. Yeah, you're up in a set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Cano, yeah, I mean, when those guys came in to make our team stronger, like, it was a blessing for me to play with Cano before the following year because I learned so much from him. Yeah. Like, he, he's been doing it forever. It's a legend. Like, game. whatever you want to do in the game, he's done it. You know, he's a world champ, you know, silver slugger, you know, gold glove, all-star, you name it. And then he was there turning the double plays with me. Yeah. You know, and it was great talking to him. He's a humble dude, hard worker. And that's what made him even better. Cause you get to this, to this level, and you're still hungry. Like I called him the, uh, the veteran with adrenaline of a rookie. Mm. You know, like he was already a veteran, but he was still hungry. Like if he was a rookie, you know. And you know, I gravitated towards him. You know, I gravitated to his work. And taking it back to keep it uh, chronological, when it came to your time, right? So. Obviously, it's, it's, it's obvious. Everyone knows. So in 2020, there was a huge controversy that happened with the team that you obviously became a part of, right? 
So there was, and correct me if I'm wrong with people in the room, because like I said, I'm not an expert, but I definitely know when it comes to main stories, especially what happened here. So they were fined, I think, $5 million by the MLB for a cheating scandal. They got proven, but it happened. This is the Houston Astros organization, but it happened, obviously, before you were there, everything. I believe 2017, was it 2017 when they, they... 2016. I'm so not an expert. 15 or 17. One of those. One of those. Yeah. Ones, yeah. Right. <clears throat> Pardon if I'm out of breath because I know a lot of people are probably gonna be watching this. <laughs> if you guys are watching this clip separately, go watch the full interview. Jeremy and me. Well, I beat Jeremy at pushups. I'll say that. <laughs> I beat the MLB star at pushups. Uh, mama, I made it. <laughs> but when it comes to this time, objectively speaking, you yourself looking at it, like. All these obstacles I've gone through in life, and then I'm a part of this team. I love the people. But now, this happened with the team. I had obviously no involvement. It was prior to my time here. But people are now probably going to put, by default, more of a spotlight on you because you're new to the team, and they're going to fucking like, oh, this is the team that had this fucking situation, the controversy that literally went from rumors to like legalities. Like it's public information. Everyone knows about it, right? So what was your mindset like? Okay, I'm here, but this is happening. Because I'm looking at it where if I'm you, I'll be frustrated because, like, fuck, it's like another obstacle. Like, without you realizing this happened, it's a natural situation. Everything that you got is like God throws you hurdles. And then here's another one right here. Or did you not look at it as an obstacle? What was your perspective, Jeremy Pena, you know, becoming a part of the Houston Astros, coming from this pandemic year? successful years in camps etc but then this happened it's all over the news and you are part of the franchise so the way i see it is i'm just there to compete and play with my teammates you know i was there to win games yeah you know and that was the mentality the whole year you know since spring training the mentality was, we have the team. We've shown that we could do it in the past. Now it's, let's show it again. Yeah. So going into the year, my focus was never on outside distractions. It was just, I'm going to go to war with the group of guys we have right here, right now, in this clubhouse. And, you know, that's what it was. You know, it was just going out there. Play my game, and yeah, competing. And what was the pressure? Did the, or was there any pressure? What was the feeling inside this locker room at this time? Where Pardon the interruption. This video is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, a sports fantasy betting app that we have fallen in love with, and you can use. And there's a promo code that you can use as well called Ambition. The promo code Ambition, or you can click the link that's in our description or in our comment section but talk about underdog uh earl and i'm gonna show the people as you talk uh as well what happened with you You underdog fantasy um you know us being from rhode island we don't have a lot of sports betting things and underdog fantasy is one of the best apps out there i'm not that type of person to be looking at numbers odds this and that like i just know that Darren Fox today is going to drop 30 points. You know, that's what I'm feeling. Gobert is going to get under 12 rebounds. That's how I'm feeling. And I have a little extra cash around. There's a couple times where I tested it out 
my luck, my right hand was itching, you know, the money hand, and I chose five picks. So with those five picks, I put in $50, and it times my money by 20. So as you can see, they're legit. They cash out. I won twice back-to-back, so I was feeling real lucky. $50 got me 1000 With our promo code, use promo code AMBITION. They'll match up to $100 that you put in. So that means if you put in $100, you use our code AMBITION. Free money! Free money, they'll give you $100. So now you have $200 to, you know, try your luck on. And it's a legit app. I love sports. I'm a sports guy, so I love predicting things. And sometimes I have some extra cash where... I'll flip it on the Underdog Fantasy app. If you guys are looking to make some quick money and you actually are into sports, this is a fun way to do that. Try that out without much risk. There's technically more reward here than risk when it comes to the comparison of other sort of apps because they have this insurance policy that they will match your money. Even if you, you know, get four out of five, let's say, on a pickums, similar to parlays, but not exactly a parlay, you will be able to get your money back. You're going to be able to get $40. Let's say you put the $40 times two. So you're going to get the $40 and you're going to be able to get another extra $40. You're not going to make this thousands or whatever you could have made if you hit all five out of five, but you're going to get something. And that something is going to be worth more than nothing. (laughs) So they have this insurance policy, Underdog Fantasy. I recommend you guys doing it. Checking it out, especially if you want to check out the Underdog Insurance Policy. You will be able to not risk as much money as you would on other apps. And it's fun. And in Rhode Island, you can do it. I know a lot of people in Rhode Island love using the Rhode Island Sportsbook application. Underdog Fantasy is another one that Rhode Island needs to use. You'll be able to bet money. And it's a fun way to do it with Underdog Fantasy. Use our promotion code or visit our link in the description and in the comment down below. Click the link right away and it sends you to sign up to Underdog Fantasy uh, very, very interesting. We're genuine fans. We reached out to them, and now we're here, partnered up with them, trying to spread the message to you guys. Join Underdog Fantasy right now. Now back to the video. Where you're part of this team now that has, you know, this burden because, like, obviously there's still a great team, but that did happen. But then after it got cleared, that settled, they never stopped being a great team. And now you're a part of it. So what was your your mindset or, like, your feeling in the locker room? What was the conversations? Like, how was every, what was everyone's energy? Did they feel, like, more pressure? Like, we got to prove these people wrong. Like, they, they think, like, we're cheaters or we're always cheating. They think, like, we, that's the only reason that we won. What was the actual pressure that you felt? Because you were around these big-time, you know, household names that were around the situation. But then past it, they still were successful. So what was the energy inside this Houston Astros locker room? I feel like... Everyone knows we have a great team. Everyone knows it. You know, people that don't like us, people that do, they know we have a great team. So I felt like this year was just letting people know that we still have a great team. And it was uh we have Hall of Famers on our team. You know, we have up and coming superstars. And (laughs) I think one's called Jeremy Pena. (laughs) No, like all jokes aside, like yeah, yeah, like we always had a great team. So it was just a matter of showing it again. So y'all, y'all knew you could prove that the championship was won 
legitly too. Like they, there was the talent there for the chip. Like it just now just showing them again. Like all right, you know we got that same team again, so we're gonna show you that we're winning again without any any help or anything from. Yeah. That's right. So for me, I can't really speak on on that stuff because I wasn't before, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I wasn't there, so that's none of none of my business. That's pre Jeremy Pena. Uh, yeah. But all I could talk about was this year and all the work the team put into the season, and definitely a championship team. That team was crazy. No exactly, much. bro. Like we had every piece necessary to have a special year, and the the beautiful thing was that we. We put it together, yeah, and uh, we didn't flop. Like we actually proved what we knew we could prove. Yeah, so. yeah. Do you recall like any moments yourself being there? Like, was there any instances of like, I would assume like heckling from people, and even throwing that out there, the cheaters, and even mentioning you without like just because you had that, you know, you were part of the team, so the opposing teams would be there yelling that at you. And especially your first games, like, as a rookie starting, did you ever experience that? And what was, like, the emotions, like, going through your mind? Like, how did you brush that shit off and, like, have such a successful year? I mean, of course. You know, everywhere you go, the fans are going to do that thing. And, like, me personally, I like it because it keeps you in the game. And I feel like if the fans are not into the game, then it's not the same. I feel like when you play stadiums like Yankee Stadium, Fenway, where the fans are on their feet the whole game, then, you know, that's the beautiful thing of our game. Yeah. I feel like if every stadium could be like that, this game would, the sky's the limit. You know, so it's fun. 100%, man. And if people want to question or, like, not count, let's say, the 2017 championship, <laughs> They can't question or doubt this one. So I think you guys did the right thing. And even going back, you know, talking about pieces, another controversial question, back-to-back back with them, guys, back-to-back. Back. So when it came to your position at shortstop, everyone to this day who is in baseball, fandom, you don't even have to be an Astros fan, but especially if you're an Astros fan, the situation that happened with the prior person at your position, Carlos, playing shortstop, I believe he was there for seven years, I want to say. Seven years. If I'm wrong, comment down below. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not an expert. But I believe it was seven years. And then transitioned. He left the team. I believe he was traded, right, to... No, no, no. no. So break traded. it down. I'm not an expert. See, I caught myself. Hmm. So he was a free agent. So then he got picked up by the Twins. Right. He signed with the Twins. He signed with the Twins, right? Because his contract was over. He's a free agent now. So he signed with the Twins. So then everyone right away ran with the narrative, Jeremy Pena is replacing Carlos. Jeremy Pena is here to replace Carlos. Carlos is replacement, right? And what was this, you know, what's the actual truth? Obviously, we've seen instances. We can assume, like, you guys have had a relationship or friendship because you saw it, you know. There's pictures of you guys together. But what was the actual truth from the horse's mouth yourself? What was your experience with Carlos and that moment of quote unquote replacing him, but in reality, what what would you define it as that moment that happened? So Carlos Correa since the first day we met, you know, he kind of took me under his wing. You know, he would always do early work and he'll call me with him. You know, he'd be like, Yeah, I'm gonna go catch ground balls, come catch ground balls with me. And now we just talk about everything. 
not even just baseball. We'll talk about life, get to know each other. And I learned so much from him during practice. Like, he would strive to be perfect, you know, and that's something I took from him because he's one of the best in the game. 100%. So, you know, I admire the way he carried himself, the way he would go about his work. And, yeah, like, we always kind of pulled for each other. And what people don't know is that last year when we got eliminated in the World Series, when we lost the World Series to the Atlanta Braves, you know, everyone's saying bye to each other, you know, in the locker room, like, oh, have a great offseason, you know. Saying, they're saying their goodbyes for, for the rest of the year. And he actually called me over. And he gave me a hug in the middle of the hallway. Wow. And he told me, get ready this winter. You're going to win a ball. Work on what you have to work. Because next year, I think you're going to be the man. Sheesh. I think you're going to be a key piece to this team next year. So do what you have to do and come ready to spring training to play that position. That's fire. Wow. You know, and, uh, dude, like, that moment to me was eye-opening and surreal. You know, and I took that to heart. Yeah. I went to winter ball that year, and my main focus that winter was I got to prepare for the big leagues. Like, I have a real opportunity to crack the team. And when I crack the team, I don't want to experiment. Like, I just want to crack the team and hit the ground running. Yeah. I don't want to get to the big leagues and try to fill out the league and then start doing my job. You know, I wanted to get there and do my job right away. So Feel that, prepared. Right. So it was just preparation. Do you and think that, um, him giving you that, like, kind of heads up set you up for success? I think so. Yeah. You know, I think so because, and even at the time, like, I was still not sure mm. because there were negotiations going on. and So even at the time, I still wasn't sure, but I still prepared, like, if he wasn't yeah. coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was still not sure. Because he didn't say it, and at that time he didn't even announce it yet, right? So, right, he was still negotiating with teams. Yeah. and So, when he signed with the uh, Minnesota Twins, I was like, okay, it's real. Yeah. You know, like, no, yeah. let's, let's nah, do I mean, it. It's, it's um, a team. It's so. crazy, like, as a, as a fan looking in, I mean, you said you had that year where you was like an alternate, like, just in case somebody got injured. So, we saw you a lot on the bench. So, as a fan looking in, it's like we kind of saw a glimpse of, I, they they kind of showing his face a little more, you know. There's something going on that he's gonna be a part of this team, and it's it's crazy to hear like you know that that confirmation was from him, you know, telling you that and nobody was talking. There was no no chats with coaches or anything. It was him telling you like yo, like you you've been up here for a reason. That there's a reason why your face is being shown around, and it's like this is yours now, bro. Like that's good that he he gave that. You know, blessing to you, like instead of being mad, like damn, you know, another person coming in, like he knew himself, he was going and, and still showed you that love. So that's that's pretty fire. Yeah. Like he's passion, passing the torch. Yeah, passing yeah, the torch. That's crazy. That's right, and that respect. speaks that speaks on him. Yeah, his character. Yeah, a lot of respect. Like, yeah. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He do didn't that. have yeah. to do that. He didn't have to do that. So, you know, he, he's the man. 
That's was nice, there, yeah. Was there um was there any involvement by uh, Dusty Baker um in that because we were seeing you in the playoffs and photos with Dusty and stuff. What was that process? What was that that relationship with Dusty? Um, sort of was he how did that work they inviting you down to the playoffs to be on that extra roster you know what I'm saying like what was that process like with Dusty and how did that career and Dusty relationship push you forward so I think it was up to the organization because they probably had an idea that I was going to crack the team this year so they wanted me to experience playoff before I played in the playoffs. So they wanted me to experience a little bit of the big leagues before I got to the big leagues. Yeah. So I wasn't shocked when I was there, you know. And I say that helped me these playoffs because last year I saw what it was about. Yeah. Sorry. So, so it wasn't a shock when I saw all those fans and all those reporters and all those cameras. It felt natural. It was now. like I saw this last year, and I wasn't playing last year, but I could visualize myself during the game, putting myself in those situations. So when the situations came, I was I felt cool, calm, like yeah. boy was in that bench, like yeah, I'm winning this MVP next year. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So, but breaking down back to the relationship with Dusty Baker, the legendary man who has done it all in MLB, you know, but this is his first championship as a player, I believe. Oh, it's not as, as a player, a as a coach. Here I go fumbling again. Mm-hmm. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. I'm just kind of <laughs> like him. But when it comes to that relationship, like Eric mentioned, Dusty Baker, the legendary man. What was that relationship with him? Like, everyone in baseball has always mentioned him, and you're there with him, like having literally arm over shoulder conversations. What was that, you know, relationship with him? How 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 did that affect you mentally? So before I answer that, I'm gonna give y'all a fun fact. Yeah. So Dusty Baker's first game managing was against the St. Louis Cardinals. And Woo. who was leading off that game? Your My pops. father. Your father. And then Dusty Baker's 2000s win, and uh, I was on his lineup. So that was... Full circle moment. Crazy, bro. Wow. You can't, you can't script that, bro. That's, that's moving. Wow. Yeah. You can't script that. That's crazy. So Dusty Baker, he's been... He's a role model, dude. Like... He brings the best out of his players. All his players love him. You know, he's a. Uh, you just gotta play hard for him. You know, all he had, wants from you is to uh, play hard and play fearless. You know, if you play hard and play fearless, then I could accept whatever the result is. You know, but I'll you know, just play hard and yeah, yeah. You know how they say your life away from baseball is always longer than your life in the game. But that doesn't apply with Dusty, dude. Like, this dude <laughs> played in the big leagues for however right. long. Yeah. And then he managed for however long. Like, this dude's been on a baseball field his whole life. Yeah. So he's seen people come and go. Decades, so decades, when he decades. Talks, you listen, bro. Like, yeah. When he talks, you listen. Because he's seen it all. Yeah. You know, he's seen it all. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, man, listen. You, you, you were part of, you know, real deal situations. Like, that shit must have been incredible to experience but and then now going back to you are now officially the actual shortstop on the Houston Astros right your rookie year starting all this controversy whatever gets added now with the situation that you even clarify now that people didn't know with you know the Carlos Carrera well actually going back to the Carlos Carrera there was a moment that 
it's like a myth online on YouTube. Every time people bring it up, there was an actual moment when I forgot the exact game, but you did so well in the game that afterwards they wanted to interview you. And then Carlos was working for TBS at the time. So he was the one that ended up interviewing you. So there's this theory online, this awkward interview. Oh my God, this awkward moment between Carlos and Jeremy. What was this moment in your words? Was it actually awkward? Do you know that he was going to interview you? What was this actual like feeling? Like what was the truth behind this? Because you mentioned like, you know, he kind of metaphorically or subliminally passed to torture you in a sense. He showed you love. But then after you left the team, was it still that while you were in that moment? You know, did you have a relationship with Carlos and it wasn't it wasn't as awkward as the Internet is trying to make the narrative? Right. So I didn't know he was going to interview me. You know, when they told me I was getting interviewed, you said it was TBS. I'm not, yeah, sure. TBS, I'm yeah, not sure what it was, but, you know, they go through the their lineup. You know, they go through, I think it was Curtis Grandison. You know, a bunch of legends in the game, and then Carlos Correa happened to be on that panel. And it was cool. You know, it was cool because it was kind of like, like you saw this last year when we were here, and now you're in it, you know. And it's like, you know, I'll keep doing it. Yeah. You know, I felt like I felt like he was pulling for me. You know, that's what it, what it felt like. He reached out to me after we won the World Series. Really? What do you say? Uh, if, was, or uh, you don't have to say obviously what it was, but kind of even summarize it. What was his kind of like energy and his messaging to you after winning the World Series, Carlos? It was just like, hey, congratulations, man! Like this is special. Like this is why we all play, you know, to win the World Series. You did that your first year. You know, enjoy it. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And then now you got to do it again. <laughs> you know, it's like now you gotta like ball out next year. Yeah. You know, this year's in the past. Like now you gotta really do it again. So Yeah, so the interview wasn't necessarily awkward in your perspective. You felt like it definitely was like like okay, it's cool. It's like, oh it's cool. He's rooting for me. Look at this. Almost like a mirror effect. You felt like, oh, you were here, there, and then you see this happen. Cause people almost painted it as if because he's still obviously playing and, and, and this year he had a great year. He, you guys and I'm not sure if you checked the stats, but I checked them. You guys had very identical stats this year. Statistically, even when it came to home runs, it was exact. I believe it was 22 for the year, both of you guys. So this is a, a great player nonetheless. But in that time, people created this narrative almost as if he retired and I was broadcasting and now he's looking at you like, oh, you know, this whole situation. But in your perspective, no, he was rooting for right. you. Yeah, yeah. He's a, like I said, he's a class act. Yeah. You know, an example to follow. And... Yeah, it was not it was not awkward at all. It wow. was just a cool moment. Wow, so now transition, Neen, and let's play this clip. I wanna you react to this live with us. So Oh man. Jeremy Pena. No, nothing crazy, guys. I'm not gonna pull up no TikToks or nothing. But <clears throat> or Dan, unless David wants to pull up some TikToks. Listen. I don't know if you know Jeremy, but you you are one of the main topics in our uh, group chats we follow your career but also Jer uh, David's TikToks David's TikToks are one of the main topics in our group chats David's TikToks yeah, we're not what TikToks not my TikToks you gotta show not my TikToks don't try to act shy now David they're not my TikToks I didn't make them I participated I didn't make them David's getting a bag listen so here we have it your first home run in the big leagues 
What was your reaction Wait, to this? Hold on. Before we get to that, can we break down the game before? The game before is your first game. This is your second game. Oh, so this is the second game. This is the second game in the as a rookie. Leagues. And your first game, it was a hell of a game. I was watching the shit out of this game. Um, you faced Otani. Oof. Nigga, Otani's won every award. <laughs> <laughs> he had a big year last year. Last year Yo, was a huge Otani year for him. Made in the lab. And so he's throwing these sliders, and you can't hit these sliders. How was that your first major league experience and you're facing somebody as great as Otani throwing some shit that is like, whoa, 100 mile an hour fastball? And were you using scouting reports and tablets and everything to get your edge on this guy? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what is there to say? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even see. I mean, man, it was my first game and I was already nervous enough that I was making my debut. You know, I was, uh, Turning this dream into reality, and now you have Shohei Otani on the mound to you know, top it off. But it's cool because it doesn't get tougher than that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, face yeah, Otani, your first at bat, and you're like, "That's right, one of the best pitchers." Yeah, that's yeah. one of the best pitchers in the league. So what comes after that, it's yeah. You know, but yeah, he. Uh, No, 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 no. Edwin, Edwin asked, did Altuve give uh, Jeremy any advice and what was his game plan going into it? No, no, no. So, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. <laughs> I was swinging three times regardless. Nigga, <laughs> 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 why you nigga swing it? a mile away. Hey, regardless, bro, like. <laughs> One of these swings is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> he's got to throw me something, bro, like. How was that night? How was that night you had to go to bed? How was that night's sleep? See, the thing is, it was cool because... Yeah. <laughs> you completed your game. Because your, your first not game. even the at-bats. Like, I wasn't even thinking about the at-bats. I was just like... I I'm played my head. first big league game. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even about the at-bat anymore. It was like... Bro, I just played in the big it's leagues. It's just a moment. Of, you know? Yeah. And, like, we won the game. Yeah. And I got the my first, like, game ball and, like, your debut ball. And it was like a full circle moment. So I, I wasn't really thinking about the at bats, you know. I was like, "All right, it's just yeah, three. Yeah, it's just three, three at bats, and uh, we'll get back at it tomorrow." So, yeah, but he he's tough, man. Shout out to him. He's it's impressive what he's doing right now in the league, you know, as a pitcher and as a hitter. You yeah, know, not just doing, it, not just even just doing it. Yeah. Like he's doing it at such a high level that, mm-hmm. like you said, that man's made in the lab. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I, I looked at my brother and I said, uh, this is fine, don't worry about it. Uh the next day he's gonna come hard. I know this nigga, he's gonna come back the next day, he's gonna work. And the next day you have this. <laughs> next day, the following day, your second game as a rookie for the Houston Astros. Crazy moment. Talk about a kismet moment, God divine moment, especially when it came to not just what you did, obviously hitting the home run, but the way that it was captured by the broadcast team and everything that happened in this moment, we can play it right here live. Is it connected to it? Speaking of the Pena family, let's say hello to Heidi Watney. Yes, I am here with Jeremy Pena's parents, Cecilia and Geronimo. Your son got his first major league hit in his first at-bat today. Tell me what you were feeling when you saw that ball go in for a hit. It's exciting. I feel happy for him. Thank you, Rodrigo. 
What are your nerves like watching him play? I know you were a yeah, player yeah, yourself. Are you more nervous <laughs> playing or watching him? Now Before I don't. Well, now I feel nervous. When he told you he was making the opening day roster, bro, this is what did you think? Shit, God, I was excited. Damn, he looked good, bro. Yeah, yeah. I know he <laughs> has a lot of good people around him. Cool. And, uh, <laughs> right there. Your mom screaming. Middle of the interview with your parents, you. yeah, yeah, your first home run happens. God moment right there. Happy, 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 happy. What else can you say, though? Your son just hit his first home runs in the big leagues. What else can you say? Nah, there's, there's no words to say right there. That's crazy. Man. While being interviewed, man, that's, that's wild. Altuve. Happy, happy, happy. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, guys. Dusty Baker, back to back. Did you take him everything? Yes, I do. I cry. We cry. We cry. Hard. What an amazing moment for your family. I'm so happy for you guys. Man, it's crazy. We are happy. We came over. We don't know that he's going to be like this. What was your mindset there? Because me personally, I, I cried at home. I teared up. I was like, this is, what the hell just happened? I think we might have been out actually, and we saw it on our phone. People were texting that it happened, but watching it back, I was like, I was so emotional. I was like, "What the fuck? Like what? Because this is like a sports history moment." But then it happened to you. And it was like, "Oh, what the hell is going? What was your emotions at this time?" You know, because you hit your home run, and obviously, you obviously, I'm assuming at that time you couldn't see like your parents being interviewed. Did you know that that was right. happening? Right. No, so I, didn't, I had no idea that was going on. Yeah. So going into that second at bat, I was already. Riding high, yeah, you because got the first I got hit, my so first big yeah. league hit the bat before, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm already on top of the world, you know. Yeah. I got my first hit out the way. Now it's like, let's have some fun, yeah. you know. And uh, you know, I hit the ball, it felt good. And as I'm running, I'm like, I kind of might fine. have a chance. <laughs> yeah. I might have a chance to go, you know. And when it went over, I was like, Sheesh. oh, like when it over, you were like, I'm him. Nah, but it was cool, man Especially being greeted by the teammates in the dugout Altuve came up and gave me a little hug And Bregman as well And it's just that. That's just that shit was crazy. The, the inner like being his parents, your parents being interviewed. That's what made that whole moment like, oh my god, because it was like. Like yo, I bet yo, you're gonna interview. Like, what's next? What? What? How else can we make this movie better? And then boom, to hit that home run in front of them and and see the reaction and stuff. That's that's movie stuff, yeah. Right. So yeah. even uh, when the game went on, I guess they put the camera on me, and Verlander came up to me. Mm. You know, he sat next to me. Another legend. And he told me, he's like, "Hey, do you know your parents were getting interviewed Jeez. when you hit the home run?" This was like a couple innings after. He's like, do you know your parents were getting interviewed when you hit the home run? And I go, shut up, bro. <laughs> no, there's no way. Shut up, Verlander. Like, you got <laughs> one of the best pitchers of all time. Like, shut up. They got that. They g- <laughs> I didn't say shut up. <laughs> no, I, know. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, but I was like, oh, there's no way. Like, and he was like, yeah, man. Like, they got your parents' reaction on camera when yeah. they hit the home run. So after the game, that's the first thing they asked me. It's like, we're going to play this video for you. They played the, ex- the same exact clip, and they were like, what are your thoughts on that? <sighs> and, you know, that's a moment I can go back to for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. like, seeing that, it's seeing my parents react like that. My dad never speaks English, and 
He was saying happy. Like, <laughs> it's probably the only word he knew at the time. <laughs> man. man, it was cool, man. It was cool. Now nah, that's something, man. Even think about it, it makes me tear up because, like, your your legacy forever. Your son, your son's son, man. Yeah, you you did it, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Cause it's all, it's all we <coughs> fuck. Here we go. <laughs> it's all we do it for, man. Yeah. Our family. Woo! Let me calm down. Especially all the support, all the hours you put in, everything like you know, it, it led up to <sighs> this moment. That's that's a oh, wow. man. Especially your father coming from the MLB, having the career he had, seeing you as a as a son, and then witnessing that before his eyes, right there, is like you can't you can't script that shit. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's the type of thing that makes people believe God. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like For right sure. there. So, man, that fuck. God bless, man. And then after this began the Jeremy Pena takeover. Yeah. You know, so, and I know you're very humble, but let's talk about it. What a year. Break down this year, your experience becoming, you know, Spanish people call it un toco de queda. Everywhere you went, you were on sports news because of your success. Right away, there was talks of you potentially you know, getting rookie of the year, you know, nominations, people really believed in you. But then it's one thing to believe and then for you to prove them right. And you had a successful year. You know, let's talk about the regular season. Jeremy Pena, the shortstop for the Houston Astros. What was your experience at the regular season prior to the playoffs, prior to winning the world championship? What was this first rookie year regular season like for you? So this being my first year, no, I had a lot of firsts. I had a lot of firsts this year. You know, it was my first time going to all these stadiums. Mm. My first time actually grinding with the team for so long. Like, it was a long season, bro. Like, and it was my first time having to, you know, kind of build, like, a routine to play all those games and then be ready for the playoffs. You know, so what made it easier for me was the people around me, you know, my teammates. Mm-hmm. Like from the first day, I would gravitate towards them and ask them so many questions, and they were so open with me. Like, hey, whatever you need, come up to us. Like, there's no egos here. Yeah, you know, we're all trying to win. Yeah, you know. So, I always felt like I could go up to any of them and ask them questions, and for advice, tips, hitting, fielding, life, you know, and. I say they made the journey so much easier. Wow. You know, they made the journey so much easier. You know, and this shit was not easy, bro. Like I said, we sacrificed so much. You know, we sacrificed so much. You're always on the road. You know, you're always playing. You get in to Seattle at 5 a.m. Hmm. You know, you sleep till 1 or 2, take a bus to the field and play that night. Like, people don't know that. Wow. You know, you get into a place in, at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., now you got to sleep a few hours and go play. And that's even after a, a game in another city, right? You would just right. get on a plane and right away right. go. Right, so, but that's what we do. Yeah. You know, that's what we do. And we wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. You know, it's hard, but at the end of the day, it's a beautiful, beautiful journey. And, you know, we're, we're all happy we do it because a lot of people dream of being in the position we're in. So we don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But this year, man, there were, you know, ups and downs. 
You know, there were ups and downs, and it was just a matter of staying in the moment. What was one of the biggest obstacles you faced throughout your regular season that the public might not even know about, but it was, like, real to you? Like, this shit, damn, this is happening during this actual moment right here. So I felt like I dealt with, like, minor injuries like, all year. Mm. You know, even when I came here to Fenway, you know, I was excited to play in front of y'all, yeah. in front of my family, in front of my friends. And then... <laughs> yeah, he just. <laughs> yeah, off off mic. Uh, Edwin's talking about because we went to this game. We witnessed um, Jeremy come back homecoming game back in New England, and yeah, right away when we sat down, we had to sit back up. Well, like, oh shit, he just hit a fucking home run, bro. What the fuck? We just walked into this shit, and it was my first time at Fenway ever. I'm like, this is overwhelming. I was looking at the guys tearing up like. <laughs> What the fuck? We got sausage and peppers in my hands. I'm like, bro, I can't even eat right now. What the fuck? That just happened? And it was like real. But you saying even during that time, behind the scenes, you were facing minor injuries. What was the what was these type of what was the situation? What was the injuries? So I just felt like I couldn't catch a break, bro. Like it's was the shin thing kind of coming back? The stuff that happened no, in the prior. So it was it was not the shin, and no, I dove, and now I hurt my thumb. I slid into home plate. Scraped my eye, collided with Jordan. Yeah, I remember that went one. Went out with, you know, concussion protocols. And I feel like it was just, like, tedious little injuries that I would miss time just because we had to be cautious so we don't have any further injury. Yeah. Right. So, like, I feel like I could play, but we had to take it easy yeah. because we wanted to be ready for the playoffs. You know, and that's the first time where it was, like, we're playing to – in the playoffs you know so I had to learn how to pace myself mm. like I've always been an all out dive here dive there you know and that's how I fractured my wrist actually you know like diving for balls when I shouldn't have dove and that's what I had to learn to do it's like in this situation maybe it's not the smartest idea to dive because it's not gonna make a difference in the game yeah mm. you know you're gonna get to the ball He's still safe at first. You're winning by eight runs. What's the point? You're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. There's more risk than reward. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's something I had to learn to to control. You know, cause my whole life it was just go, 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 go. You know, sprint as fast as you can every single time. Dive for every single ball. And now it was like. Pace yourself. Knowing the game. Knowing the situation. You're still going to dive. Mm. You're still going to sprint. You're still going to play hard. But it's knowing. The right moments. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that was the biggest hurdle learning piece of the season for me. Wow. And then was there any key moments that you remember? Obviously, we had with Carlos prior to the season starting, but was there any key moments with any significant player that you had throughout the regular season prior to the playoffs that stood out to you that you'll like kind of take away for the rest of your life? Or was it too many to even remember? Because there's so many damn legends on that team. So many, bro. I felt like every single day it was. Great advice after great advice after great advice. But what I take with me is not what they told me. What I take with me is what they do. Mm. You know, because I felt like the leaders we had in the clubhouse, I call it rah-rah. They weren't rah-rah. Like, they weren't mouth. They were leaders based off actions. You know, so, like, I'll take Jose Altuve, for example. Like, Jose Altuve doesn't say much. But then he 
shows up, puts the work in, and he goes off, plays his butt off, and then he does it again the next day. You know, so even though he's accomplished so much in his career, he still plays hungry. He's hungry. Yeah. So, you know, you gravitate towards that, like Alex Bregman. Mm. It was 1 a.m. after a playoff game. You know, we're playing the next day. I get a FaceTime call at 1 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, why is this dude calling me at 1 a.m.? And he was looking at scouting report. He's like, hey, bro, this is this. This is I think you should look for tomorrow. Like, I was looking at all your videos. I was looking at... He didn't have to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, put like he could just he could just focus on his yeah. report and what he's gonna do. Yeah, but he didn't have to worry about what I, they were gonna do to me. Yeah, he's pay, he's getting paid to play his game. He's not getting exactly. paid to help you make your game better. Exactly, it's and very selfless act. Bro, he he would take me into the video room all season, like show me what to look for, and he didn't have to do that. I don't know. You know he didn't have to do that. So you know, and that speaks about our team, bro. That speaks a lot about our team. Yeah. I think that's what made us great this year. That guys were willing to help each other, and we were pulling for each other. So, man, yeah, man. is is Jose Altuve shorter in person? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's taller. I think he's taller than you, though. Nah. <laughs> How tall is he on paper? Supposedly five, five seven? six, five five seven. I don't know, but people yeah. sleep on Altuve. Altuve is a strong dude. I'm like, <laughs> Altuve is a strong man, bro. And, Oh, it's uh, he's a giant. Well, he may be small, but he's a giant. Yeah. I mean, he's a beast, no matter what. Yeah, but he's sure. definitely what is he? I know he's a uh, shortest in MLB this year. Or but is it history? Is he the shortest no. in history? No, nah, I don't think it's nah. history. But I think Pedroia was small, Pedroia small, small, smaller than him. Yeah, yeah. He he plays like he's he plays like he's six seven, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. heart of a giant, heart of a giant. Listen, I think I'm taller than him, but we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to him. But now fast forwarding to the playoffs. You make it into the playoffs and you win the ALCS and you win the champion, the MVP yourself. So it's not just like, okay, my team's moving forward. It's like, okay, the accolades. You 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 started breaking the records and the first first, but now it's like the accolades are really starting to pile up, the trophies. I believe that was the first one, right? Because that was prior to the gold glove, right? So was that your first trophy throughout the season? Right. Right? Right. So I guess, I'm, guess I'm not. ALCS, right? Yeah. ALCS. See, I guess I am kind of a baseball expert. <laughs> um, and then now fast forward into your next major trophy, the gold glove. And I believe I saw the interviews that you had at that time where you didn't even know that it was a thing that you became the first rookie shortstop to even win this. What was that feeling now retrospectively? Like, wow. Like, definitely it's about the team, but I would say even when it comes to Gold Glove, it's one of the most, like, individual wars that the MLB has to offer specifically, right? Because yeah. it's such, like, individualistic. For position players. Exactly, because it's, it's breaking it down to the position, yeah. specific, very niche, and, like, this is what you did. So it's going down in Jeremy Pena's shortstop history. So break that down, realizing that, and now looking back, it's like, damn, I really did that. I was the first shortstop rookie to actually get that award. So I didn't know that was history at the time. Like, I didn't know I was the first rookie shortstop to win the gold glove. But when, you know, I heard the news, 
I won the gold glove, it was like a another like full circle moment because like I said, growing up, defense was what I did. Yeah. I didn't really hit. Yeah. You know, so defense was something I always took pride in. Yeah. It was something I always dedicated most of my practice to was defense. Yep. And also receiving that award is something you dream about as a kid. You want to be a gold glover. You want to be a World Series champion. You want to be a league MVP. You know, you want to be a Hall of Famer. And then to just reach one of those goals, it was it was surreal. Man. And do you have it? You got the, the it was an actual trophy that they give it. It's not like, oh, they send you another one in the mail. They give it to you. That was the real deal one that you have? So they gave me the real deal one at the ceremony, but we left it there. Mm. It's heavy. You can't really carry it around in the airport. Like, I don't know where you're going to put it. But they should ship it out soon Yeah, wherever you live. So Okay. So I don't have that with me right now, but. That's awesome. And now fast forward into the Big Kahuna now. You are in the World Series against the Phillies. Did I get that right? The Phillies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> against the Phillies. Um, and there was a point where you guys in the series were down, correct? What was, it, what was it down by? Was it 2-1, right? <laughs> and, and then me and Edwin specifically, because Edwin's a diehard. He, he bleeds baseball, right? For those who don't know out there, he was like, man, this is wild, but I think they got it. They're going to yeah, come back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous. I was nervous. I was. I'm like, damn. I was like, man, I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, these are legend. This is Bryce Harper's legendary people again. It was like, this is two legendary, you know, squads. What's going on here? And long behold, you guys turned it around, and especially you, you had key moments to the point that you won the World Series. MLB 2022, but then also you won the MVP award of this World Series. Break that down, that feeling of being down and then coming back up. What was the mindset that you had being the shortstop for the team, but also the team's mindset? You know, such a great team, like you're expressing, you know, the kinship, the brotherhood you guys had. What was that, you know, energy in the locker rooms? Was Dusty Baker saying anything specifically? What was going on that made you guys, like, flip the switch and come back and win? So, at, I mean, going into the series, like, they started off hot, and they were already hot. You know, they were on top of the world, you know, beating the other teams to get to the World Series, you know, beating the favorites. Yeah. And so they were feeling good about themselves, and then they kicked our butts the first game of the, the series, the World Series, at our home. You know, we were undefeated. We were undefeated all playoffs, you know. I think we were seven and zero, and then you know they beat us at home. So, and I believe it was a comeback win, right? They came mm-hmm. back and you know shattered us. But the second day, you know, we bounced back. You know, we we evened up the series. We went to their place, and the first game, of, the first play of the series at their place, Altuve hits a flare to right field. Nick Castellano comes in, you know, dive and play, slide and play. The stadium erupts. Hmm. Crazy. I felt like the stadium was on top of me. I felt like the fans wow. were on top of me. And I'm like, 
man. You're getting goosebumps. Like these, <laughs> these people are serious. Like these fans are serious. And they come up, Homer. Homer. Felt like they was just hitting homers, you know, three homers, four homers, five homers. And I'm like, bro, these people are serious. Like, these people came to play, you know, and they, you know, they beat us. You know, they beat us. They beat us. And then, but that's not the first time these guys have been in that situation. That was my first time there. Yeah. But these guys have been to the World Series four times out of the last six years. Yeah. So they've been there before. They're like the Warriors. They always like come they back. Were, they, they, they weren't worried, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't worried. Like, in the clubhouse, it was just like, all right, we got beat today. Flush that. Let's come kick their butt tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and that's what it was. Like, we showed up the next day, like, if nothing happened, and they go out and throw a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what's a better way to bounce back than to do that? Straight up shutting them down for real. But yeah. Javier, lights out. Bullpen, lights out. Presley, lights out. Yeah, and then it was just up from there. You know, I felt like we had the momentum on our side after that, and yeah. Wow. Man, listen, and then now going fast forward a bit more to that moment of, you know, we saw the celebration, but then that game you won, and you have the confirmation. Damn, we're World Series champions. What was that moment in that arena? What was the feeling running through your mind? You know, seeing your family, everything. What was the this this energy that you felt like? Fuck, like, I, I, this is what uh, everyone wants. This is the end goal. I made it here already in my first year. What was that feeling? So we were down game six, and Jordan Alvarez hits the furthest home run I've ever seen hit. <laughs> and we go on top, right? And after that, I'm like, bro, we could end it here. Mm. We could be world champions after this game. And I'm thinking this as the game's going on, and then I'm, I'm Catching myself fighting the thought of, all right, forget about that. Like, we still have to win. You still have to lock in. You still have to play. So the innings kept going by. Innings kept going by. It's like the eighth inning. I'm like, oh, six more outs. <laughs> we're, we're serious champions. And then it was like, all right, forget about that. Lock in, you know. <laughs> and then the last inning, bro, it was no thoughts. Yeah. Like, I was just that shortstop, like, three outs away. This is it. And we are World Series champions. Ball goes up to right field. I see Tucker tracking it down. And I remember I just started jumping, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you could probably find that video. I'm yeah. just jumping. Yeah, I don't know what so, I'm doing. High-ass jump. Like, <laughs> just a high, one of the highest got, jumps I've seen in my life. Bounces, bro. I got you got bunnies, ups, bro. bro. I got bunnies. You got, you got bunnies. I got bunnies. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, bro, and I'm just bouncing up and down. Tucker makes the catch. I run up to Altuve, you know, we hug, and, man, like, we did the little dog pile where we just jump up and down, and sheesh, bro. Like, that was, that was real. Man. That was yeah. real. I remember I had Edwin come over to my crib, watch the game together, we went crazy. Oh, oh bro, God. it was crazy. And man. to think it's still your first year. <laughs> like, that's your first year you're going through all this. Man. That's wild. Man. And... You know, the last time I won a championship was that first year in Pro Bowl, but I was hurt. I have a ring from that, but I felt like it was still not my championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, even though we won the championship, 
I feel like it was still not yeah. my championship. Yeah, because like those bench players, those bench players that win championships, but they didn't start. They weren't involved in the team due to maybe injury or maybe they just weren't that good at the time. But they still have the championship. You right. can still call it a champ. You can put it in your bio. Right. Whatever you want. Yeah. It's factual. But then you didn't feel like. <laughs> I don't know the. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't know these inside <laughs> jokes. These baseball inside jokes. But he's off mic. He's good. He's off. He's off mic. He's good. That's why. That's why he's off mic. You never know. But transition to also you becoming, you know, the MVP. You know, and I was telling that when I'm like, he's got to be the MVP, right? Like, what is going on? Like, do you feel yeah, like a Michael saying off camera? Do you feel like you knew that you were gonna win that? Like, you're like, oh, that probably is gonna be me. You know, because you're very humble, but maybe some part inside you, if it wasn't you, it would have maybe felt weird. Or who would you would say that maybe it could have made sense for you? Like, oh, yeah, I didn't think it was me. I was someone else. What was your mindset right there? So in the moment, being the World Series MVP was the last thing in my head. Like, I was like, bro, we are World Series champions. Like, this is why we play. Yeah. Like, this is what everyone wants to be doing at the end of the year, and only one team gets to do it. Yeah, and we were that team. You know, that's what was going through my head. And then, as we're getting our shirts, we're serious shirts and hats. A random dude came up to me. He worked with the MLB, and he was like, "Hey, I just want to let you know you won the World Series MVP. So <laughs> you're gonna need to be in the front of the stage." They warned you, gonna, right? So they told me before it happened. Whew, did your heart so, just start pumping? Know, so I was like, "Whoa, bro! Like, <laughs> like what did I even that's say?" Crazy. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Yeah. So you know, when I got our stage. That's when I really had time to, like, look around. You know, I tried to take mental pictures, you know. I saw my family down there. Oof. You know, looking around my teammates, how happy they were. I saw Dusty Baker. You know, I never won a championship, mm-hmm. you know, as a manager. And, you know, I started reflecting, dude, on the nights where where it was tough. Mm-hmm. You know, the nights where I didn't want to play anymore. You know, the nights where... I was hurt and I had to rehab and I was in pain and like it was all like, man, like this is where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful thing, you know. But oh my God, yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, man, because like you said, you gave me my feelings, bro. <laughs> you got to, man. You got, you got to, my feelings. You got to, cause man, I if we were, bro, imagine you being there, being the person. Like, yeah. I'll faint. I'll literally fail I'll be like, this is too much. <laughs> God, too much. I'll be like, God, this is too much. I'm done. Bro. crying and shit. Oh, my God. It's like, this is insane. But then you, especially your story, because it could be anyone. But then your story where you literally had moments where you were in bed questioning whether you should even keep playing whether this is worth it because you feel like you suck, you feel like you're not good enough, you feel like there's too many obstacles, you're getting injured, there's so many things happening, you're looking at your friends doing other things that are not like what you're doing, you feel like FOMO, fear of missing out, like, oh shit, what the... But then, it's like, damn, everything I went through is all worth it now Mm -hmm. because I reached the peak of peak in my first year. So it's like, you struggled, you had your difficulties, but then in your first year... All this happens, takes people their entire career. Yeah, and some people don't. Some people don't get it. Charles Barkley, legendary, didn't doesn't didn't experience that, but still a legendary Hall of Famer. You know, 
Mike yeah, Trout. I have a funny story with, yeah, yeah. with Charles Barkley, bro. Oh, let's talk about a Chuck. <laughs> so, before we keep going, so. Yeah, yeah. Like, me and my family, we all have. This is off track, though, by the way. No, you're good, you're good. You know, this is your interview. Like, they all have weird names, right? Like, my older brother's <laughs> Austin, but it's Austin. O S T I N, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm Jeremy, basic. Base, basic as hell. My sister's Hasey, like Hey and C. And then my little brother's name is Chados, like C H A R O S, right? Chados. And I'm asking my dad about these names. I'm like, yeah, where you get these names from? And then I'm like, all right. What about my little brother? Like, I get Austin, I get, you know, Hey C, but like Chados, <laughs> like, where you get that from? And this man looked me, this this man looked me dead in my eyes, and he was like, he goes, he goes, you youngest don't know nothing about basketball, man. No Charles Barkley used to be like, <laughs> the best player. And I'm like, I'm like, no way this is just said Charles Barkley, bro. I was like, Oh my so god! Today, I called my little brother Barkley. Barkley. Yo, <laughs> oh my god. listen. So thank you, oh, thank you. Funny, Shout out to Charles Barkley if you're watching. Thank you, Charles Barkley. You know, you're the reason uh, <laughs> Jeremy Pena's brother was named by his father Charles. But how do you spell it though? How do you spell your brother's name? C H A R O S. Charles. Charles. So it's like so it's like it's like Carlos mixed with Charles. Charles Barkley, bro. Man, you gotta you gotta love that about you gotta love that. That's amazing, man. Oh my god. Listen, man, that that stuff right there, that's that's amazing, man. And your father. He, he seems like a hell of a hell of a character, man. And then how did did you have any conversations with him since then? Like him being an MLB, his career, he didn't win. Obviously, he didn't win. A, he did. He won a championship. Did it throughout his career? Did he have any significant like accolades throughout his career that you can that you can recall that he mentions? See, the thing is that now, so my whole life, it was like. Oh, you can't tell me nothing until you play in the big leagues. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me nothing until you do this. You can't tell me nothing until you do that. But now I got the ring. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, I don't want to hear if you ain't got a ring. Every time, <laughs> yo. Every time Pops talks, he's like, like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, nah, but it's cool, man. It's cool. No, I love that, that you have even that camaraderie and that friendship, you know, with your father because I think it's very significant, you know, us as young men, young black men, young Spanish men, men of color, you know, especially the Dominican culture, like you stated earlier, like, you know, the stuff that we go through when it comes to the emotional barriers that's placed on us, the stigmas, having a strong father figure is one of the main things that keeps us going. Without that, bro, we really, you know, we really suffer and we really struggle in life. So shout out to your dad, man. Round of applause for his father. Hey. Shout out to your mom, too. Yes, oh, 100%. Shout out to the to both parents. So now, you know, coming off of all that, let's break down some of the Jeremy Pena DNA. So the Jeremy Pena DNA, what I break it down as, you know, what makes you a star. You have a lot of things that are, you know, specific to you. And it's almost like natural branding without even trying. So we spoke about it earlier, the nickname, La Tormenta, right? And how that came from. But now let's break down the iconic, you know, Heart, hey. you know, throw it up real quick. Right there, you go. Yes, sir. When did that start? When was your first time doing that? Did someone tell you to do that? Where did where did that? What was, where was that created? When was that born? The Jeremy Pena heart. 
So it was later in the season, you know, and uh, I know it started off as like a, you know, something I started doing for my parents, you know, showing appreciation for my, for my mother, <laughs> you know, the love and all the sacrifices that, you know, they've done for us. Like you said, you know, they came to this country to give us a better life. So it's just a reminder that yeah. they're there, you know, and that I do appreciate everything they've done for me, so. And wow. that, that was mad unique, too, because a lot of people, like, you see celebrations, they copy sometimes at basketball to throw up the three and stuff when they hit the three, you know, do different dancing. And it's like now we we see another unique thing. It's like the heart now. And it's like that's, that's so you. crazy. Yeah, that's And you did real. that. She's you know, over too. Yeah. Did you, do, you, do you realize, like, kind of, like, the impact, like, the s- small things, like, you even doing that, like, kind of, like, has on your career and, like, even the culture of sports now? Like, that thing that you created naturally, like, is – you know, it's a part of your DNA now. And it's cool. Like, at the moment, though, like, you're just having fun. You know, you're just playing the game. You know, you're just playing the game, having fun, competing. And people look at you like like a role model, you know. And you don't really realize that until you actually meet the people. But when you're playing, it's just you and a game, you know, and your teammates having fun and, Oh, competing. But then when, you know, I had a kid come up to me at the mall in Houston, and he was shy to, to come up to me. And I could see him kind of just looking at me and looking away, looking at me, looking away. And I was sitting down just waiting for someone to get out the, you know, the, the dressing room. And the mother was like, go go talk to him, go talk to him. And he came up to me all shy, and, bro, he was bawling. He was crying, dude. Like, oh, my God. like, And that's when I had a moment where I was like, Wow, bro. It's real. Like, this kid is crying for me. Yeah. Like, what's going on, bro? Like, <laughs> like wow, bro. Yeah. Like, but that was that was special, you know? And, uh, yeah, we don't take that for granted. Yeah, man. No, it's a beautiful thing that you've established, you know, that kinship, that, you know, relationship with your fans. And even with small things like that symbolism of the heart, you know, something that represents even emotion, going back to the motion and, you know, Something that even stereotypically, I feel like you won't even see like a man in sports even do that, like throw up a heart. Yeah. But then he does it so natural to him, and it's like taking over everywhere. Like there's even an emoji. I'm not even sure if it existed <laughs> before you did it. <laughs> I right, you might you might own that emoji on the lower. Maybe <laughs> Apple owns you money, but there's an emoji like this now. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? When did this emoji come from? <laughs> I think it was Jeremy. You know, Apple got to pay some money. <laughs> But then going forward from that, there's more to the Jeremy Pena DNA. One of the things is, you know, I'm calling now one of these years. Let's let's call now. Look back on this in a couple of years from now. I think probably like in five years, you're going to win uh, GQ Sexiest Man Alive. You're going to be on the cover. You're going to be on the cover of the Sexiest Man Alive. And we're going to be buying it. We're all men in here, but we're all going to buy it. Let's be honest. We're going to all buy it. We're all, all going to support. And that's going to happen. But that you know, mindset of like now you becoming what do they call it, like a sex symbol or like this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta be honest. We gotta be honest because yo, you look up, you look up on Twitter, Jeremy Pena, marry me. Thousands of tweets, girls, they want to marry you. You look up Jeremy Pena, girl. Thousands of, of girls, like, yo, I saw him at the this restaurant. Oh, my God, I'm so close. to Houston girls are like, you're the number one 
guy right now, right? But then you and your personal life, <laughs> you have a relationship, right? So break that down. Because <laughs> me, myself, you know. I, oh, you got the tweet? Let's read the actual tweet. Yeah, so this is a tweet. Shout out to Michael. Michael sent me the tweet. This is a tweet that went viral, right? This was crazy. And it went viral because because shout out to uh, Raising Canes. We're going to talk about that soon, the par- partnerships. But you were at the drive-thru at Raising Canes, right? This was about two weeks ago. And a female... Uh, Retweeted this saying, "Let me get the three finger combo. Hold the chicken." <laughs> <laughs> you see, Erland uh, respond, "Yeah, JP." <laughs> People are saying in the comments, "She has no father," <laughs> but I relate. <laughs> you know, so what is the <laughs> what is the reaction? What is the situation, both from yourself and then your partner? You know, because. Obviously, this can be, it's a very delightful thing because who wouldn't want to be complimented, right, and, like, be appreciated by people online, let alone women, if you're, uh, you know, a straight man. But at the same time, you are in a relationship, you know, yourself. I've been in a relationship for about to be seven years myself. You know, I've gotten some strange DMs. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I've gotten some strange DMs. You know, Was I'll keep it there. for the, the three-finger combo? Hold the, the chicken, though? <laughs> <laughs> they were asking for three something else, you know, and I we, it was not going to happen. No, not with those strangers. Hell no. But then people are weird, man. People are very weird online. But <laughs> God bless them. Very horny people online. <laughs> but when it came to yourself, like you have a girlfriend and break that down, that situation, how long you've been with her and... Even like, <laughs> sorry, ladies, <laughs> sorry, ladies, your hearts are breaking, right? But then also like, how did that help you? Because we heard how your, your, you know, your actual family supported you, but let's talk about maybe her support and her mindset and maybe you being in a relationship, having you become more disciplined mentally, because I feel like that helps me become more disciplined mentally because I feel like, you know, a hundred percent, I feel like I have the, the love of my life. I found the woman that's the... F- mother to my children, my child, future children, you know, she's not expecting guys, but one day we're going to have more, but it's like, I feel like I don't need more. Like, like what else is there more to it? This is a great person. This is all I need. What is your situation and how did it feel? And what did she feel? And like, what was her entire break that down, Jeremy? (laughs) (laughs) Without getting in trouble. And shout out to her. Shout out to her. (laughs) But no, the way I see it, let him go. Let him go. Let me catch his breath. He was doing push-ups. The way I see it is, like, if you have a nice car, (laughs) people gonna look at your nice car. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you can't get mad at people look at your nice car because it's yours. Uh, You know. So keyword yours at the end. Exactly. Yeah. So my my lady understands that. You know, oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. For yeah, example, he's, like he's the car. Yeah, she nice. understands that, like people are gonna look at me. Yeah, it comes with the territory. It, it goes back. It goes back to if you can't even trust me to. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. Then what's the point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know she understands that part. You know people. It's amazing. You know people are gonna look at her. Yeah. You know, and I can't get mad for people looking because I know what I have. Yeah. You know it just. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, people are just funny. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> I go through it, you know, like, I, it's entertainment. Yeah. You know, I love our fans. Yeah. You know, they're the reasons why we do it. 
And uh, yeah, my girlfriend doesn't really pay much mind to it. Yeah. But yeah, we met at school at Maine on you know, my junior year. Wow. And we've been there yeah, four years now. Four years. And yeah, she uh, she understood from the jump that in order for us to make this work, they were going to have to be sacrificed on both sides. Because I'm always gone. Yeah, that's you true. Know, it's tough. Try it's it's tough. Yeah. You know, when you're in Iowa and your girlfriend's in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I know, and it's, I know that's where the trust comes in. You know, because I can't do anything about it. I'm in Iowa. So it's yeah. either I trust you or I don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it goes both ways. So that, that's the way I see it. And she's been very understanding from the jump that baseball is going to take a lot of my time. Yeah. And now she's, you know, she finds a way, we find a way to make it work. I love it. I love it, man. I love it, man. Round of applause for men in relationships because I'm one of them. There's a lot of single men in here, you know. David, David's in a relationship. Shout out to you over there, right? 100%. Brian. But it's crazy how... It's crazy how a lot of you. I mean, I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of dogs in here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but man, that's very, very significant, man. I think people don't realize that shit is very strong. The test that your relationship has gone through, you know, and you're still here. And I think it's something that's gonna build you mentally strong because you you need that. You need that, you know, fundamental thing because at the end of the day, it's like. She was with you since Maine. So she's seen some of the struggle, some of the stuff that you've, you've gone through. You know what I'm saying? It's like all these other girls just want the three-finger combo. <laughs> like, you know, they just want that. But it's also complimentary. And I think, you know, it's without you even trying to become, like, this star. Like, everything just naturally, like, it's crazy. Like, you can put this in a, in a melting pot. Like, successful year, signature, signature, you know, gesture with the heart. And then naturally becoming, you know, a sex symbol without you trying. You're not, you're not even trying, right? Or a quote-unquote sex symbol, right? From from the ladies online, especially in Houston. So it's like, all this stuff is like only gonna help your career. But it it, it depends how disciplined you are to handle it. And you're very disciplined and you're very humble. So I think you know, more power to you, man. You're blessed in so many ways. It's mm-hmm. crazy, you know, for real. It's God. It's God's work. So then transitioning from this, uh where this major tweet, everything went viral, these partnerships have happened. Let's start in actually in order. So at least publicly we saw, break that down a situation with New Balance and how that came to be. And was that another, you know, monumental thing in your career where it's like you are going to be an MLB, but now signing to a team of, you know, actual, a footwear team, a footwear company. You have probably so many to pick from. What made it become New Balance? You are not. And what's your official thing? Are you a, a New Balance athlete, New Balance ambassador? Do you have a specific title as well? So I've actually been with New Balance since 2018. Wow. Uh, Four since, years. Since I first got into Pro Bowl. And I've been with New Balance. And you know, I love their their footwear. I love their on-field stuff. You know, that's the main reason why I started using them. I used New Balance in college. University of Maine is sponsored by New Balance. Whoa. So, and New Balance is a Northeast mm-hmm. company. Yep. You know, so. Based they, out of Boston, headquarters. Based out, based out of Boston. 40 minutes away. So. Send know, some pairs. Send some pairs, guys. Send some pairs. 40 <laughs> minutes away. Wait, actually, we both have, we got some New Balances on, by the way. 
Got the new bounces on over here. Hey. <laughs> got David over there. You know, it wasn't planned. We just throw them on because we like we love new bounces. Five fifties over there. He got the new bounce dress shoes over there. You got new bounces in the building. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but so continue so that so they sponsored main, but then did you have any options? Did it was it like phone calls from Nike, phone calls from Jordan Brand, like any situations so other than my first year? It was you know my agent told me hey New Balance wants to give you a deal. I said like, yeah let's do it. So we didn't really hear out any other companies. Yeah, but I think it was last year I wanted to you know, explore different companies and. Uh, Weigh your options. You know, kind of weigh my options. And at the end of the day, you know, it was about comfort on the field, not really, like, swag off the field. You know, so, yeah, my main focus was, you know, what made me comfortable on the field. And New Balance is the best of the best. So, shout out to them. You know, they've taken care of me ever since I signed with them. And Amazing. I see their... They're striving to to be the best, you know. And right now, I think they they're getting up there. So, oh, 100 percent, man. New Balance has taken over pop fun. culture. Shout out to our sure. our friend Drew Drew White at Bodega. The Bodega New Balances they've been making have you know shock culture. The ALD 550 New Balances have become like a staple in like Instagram. You know, fit pics. There's like everyone always in a wooden chair with like a plant next to them and some 550s. With some black cuffed up pants is like the stereotypical fit picks out here. But it is because New Balance has, you know, I feel like people get tired of the Jordans and the stuff that's happening out there. I'm not dick riding New Balance. I'm being honest here, guys. <laughs> if we're being, I'm a, I'm a just, part of this reselling you know, game. Just try to get New Balance sets of pairs over. Some, 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 some Maybe I Sponsor the podcast. But I, I, I'm in a resale game. We re, we're reselling New Balances now. It wasn't like that a couple years ago, you know, so shout out to New Balance. And now, Aside from New Balance, how about Raising Canes? How did that come to be? Where you a Raising Canes, you know, consumer? I love Raising Canes. I love it. You bro. think I love New Balance? I love Raising Canes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I love Raising Canes. <laughs> it's some of the best chicken I've had in my life. I think it might. Mm. Where do you have some Raising Canes? In Chicago. Chicago. So when I went to Chicago, yeah. I've always heard of Raising Canes in Boston, but it's always packed very long lines. But when I went to Chicago about two months ago, I fell in love with Raising Cane's. <laughs> it was early in the morning. It was breakfast. No, one, It wasn't open. I'm like, there's no line. I'm like, is it open? Oh, it's open. Let me go to Raising Cane's. First time ever. Kind of a bit pricier. It's not no Wendy's. No no four for four, right? I'm like, fuck it. Let me pay. I got to try this shit. <laughs> Even my son, we ate it together. Shout out to Ocean. We ate it in the, in the hotel, in the Airbnb room. We ate it together. Afterwards, he loved it. I loved it. The sauce was amazing. The chicken, the tenders, you dip it in the damn sauce. What was that sauce called? The, um, you know the sauce. <laughs> it's coming next year. They're bringing one to Rhode Island. So I don't got to take long trips. Yeah. You got to cut the ribbons. So how did that come to be? Were you in love with, were you consumer raising canes? Or was it that they talked to you and you're like, oh, you, you saw the brands and the brand and your brand, both brands making sense to work together. Right. So that's pretty much how it went. You know, uh, I love Raising Canes, you know, but it just came as in, like, an event we just put together. Yeah. You know, they got in touch with my agent, and uh, we planned the day, what we were going to do, and, yeah, we just got it done. It was cool, man. You know, the the city showed up. City that showed was up. amazing. That was amazing, man. Yeah. It was cool. That's the first time 
that I've had a real job. <laughs> I've never worked in my life. How, how long was the shift? You were nine to five? <laughs> 40 minutes. <laughs> I thought you were there for the whole day. They said he's taking over the day. He was in and out in 40 minutes. Oh, my God. No, that's a full circle moment. Like, the first day that you, you know, God willingly and blessed you again, that you actually, you know, had to work this sort of job, you know, was ironically when you are promoting this company, you're a face of this company now. And how, and how is that going forward? Are you, is it like you can just eat raisin canes for the rest of your life for free? Like what's going on here? Is it like that type of situation or, or is it just something that, you know, might be just short term? What, what do you see with this? I feel like it was just something we did in the moment. Yeah. And now it's uh kind of bring light to the, to the city and like to the, the world series champions, like yeah. the Houston Astros. So it was kind of just, getting stuff done around the city to connect the fans to the championship team. and Yeah. yeah so I'd say it was like a moment thing. And but we'll is, Ra- is Raising Canes huge in, in Houston? I think it's big in Texas. In Texas in general. Yeah, because the first time I had it was in Texas. Well, Texas. And Sugarland, Texas. So. Uh. Wow. And breaking down, going now to the Houston connection, you seem to have definitely embraced Houston culture fully. You know, um, people go to teams and go to cities and they don't have very pleasant experiences or they don't express it if they have a good experience very much. Some people are very quiet about it. You know, we had instances where people, you know, Kyrie in Boston, it didn't work out. There's teams that you go to, you might mess with the team, but the city is just like not there. But for you in Houston, it seems like you're almost damn near Houston native. What is going on in Houston? Why do you love Houston so much aside from being on the Astros? Express to the people your love for Houston. So it's not even just my love for them. I felt like they show love to me since spring training, even before I was with the team. Yeah. You know, and you could see the connection between the team and the city. You know, and the city's invested with the team and the team's invested with the city. Like, it's it's a beautiful thing. Like, not many teams have that where their fans are there every single day of the week. Like, when it got to playoffs and our stadium was sold out, our stadium was sold out all year. Yeah. And also, it was like, these fans have been showing up all year. All year. So now that in the playoffs, it's like, it was normal to us. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to the city of Houston. Uh, you know, so many great things happening right now in the city, and, uh, and our fans are the best. You know, we got to... You got to keep showing out, keep doing it. Man, it's amazing because you connected with the top dogs. Like, you got a free grill from Johnny Dang, one of the most yes, famous uh, jewelers of all time. You know, he <laughs> promised it. It was a bet he made with himself. He committed. He fulfilled, you know, you said uh, off camera, behind the scenes. So it's getting, uh, it's not done fully, but you got the molding. It's being in process, done soon. So eventually we're going to see you, you know, probably posting a photo, maybe walking around with the grill, you know, in picture. But aside from that, even you got a free chain from Trader Truth. Shout out to Trader Truth. I don't think people understand how significant this is. These 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 people in Houston, like they're not just stereotypical. This is these are people that live and die Houston culture. Like if you really are familiar with hip hop, rap, black culture, everything that's going on in Houston, these are the most significant names. And you're just casually now, you know, but rightfully so because you show them love and they showed you love, becoming a part of this fucking you know, 
you know, you're a citizen there. Like it's, it's crazy. So even that connecting with these these people, how has it been meeting these people that I'm I'm pretty sure you've at least had some familiar familiarity with when it comes to Johnny Dang or Trader Truth? Of course, man. It's like they put off for the city. You know, and then we as a team put off for the city. And it's like, how can we find ways to like, keep bringing the city up? Yeah. And no, it's kind of like what y'all are doing here. You know, I love what y'all do, bro. Like, you guys built this thing from the ground up. And y'all ain't stopping now. Hell no. Y'all just getting started. I appreciate, appreciate it, man. And, bro, it's just that. Like, y'all in love with the city. Like, y'all relate to this city, to Providence. And you're never going to forget, no matter how big you get, you're always going to remember this right here. You're always going to remember your car. Like, doing your, you know, starting off with... Yeah, Eric doing the reactions. Eric, Why know, I doing up. the reactions. You know, like, that's what it's all about, man. Like, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, man. I, I love that, you know, these people... Another significant... Uh, <laughs> get a tongue twisted in here. Significant person that represents Houston. Uh, many call him... Mr. Cactus Jack, many call him, you know, I guess just Travis Scott, but he's a legendary person. So Travis Scott, where is it right here? I have the moment where Travis Scott posted this, shouting you out right here. Jeremy Pena, he called you a young king or young prince. He tried to add you, but he didn't fully add you. I was, I was like, oh, maybe he, you know, I don't know what happened there, but he posted you. He showed you love, Travis Scott. One of the most significant artists in Houston history, one of the most significant artists in the history, especially when it comes to our generation. Like Travis Scott is goaded level. Break that down. Have you met Travis Scott? What is your reaction to this? And, you know, I'm assuming you were someone that obviously used to listen to his music like we did in school. And now for a circle moment, him showing you love and calling you a, 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 a king. Like what is going on? What was your, you know, connection with Travis Scott so far? So I actually met Travis Scott last year. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Sounded just like the track. Sounded just like the track. But I met him last year in the World Series. Really? You know, he did the call for the, uh, you know, play ball. Okay. So he got the crowd pumped up before the game and, uh, yeah, that was cool. That was the first time I saw him, like, a star of his caliber. And, and to see him post me, you know, he actually didn't really tag me. Yeah, he tried you know, to. Yo, you got to tag me, bro. Like, yeah. Yo, yo, you would have been able to. Come on, Travis. No, because you, you can type a name out, but you got to tap the. Oh, this nigga's even. He didn't tap right, it, the nah. name, but he typed it out. No, nah, but just the fact that, you know, he took time out of his day. 100%. To give me a shout out, you know, on his Instagram, like. That's real. That's dope. Yeah. So we're not going to hear any Jeremy Pena ad-libs on Utopia. Straight up. Listen, man. Uh, listen, Travis, if you're watching, I know you watch a lot of stuff. We have, you know, very classic Travis Scott reactions online. If Jeremy's down, I'll even fly out to Houston if I have to. I would love to react to his album with you. We can react Ooh. together. In Houston, I think it would be doper to do it. In Houston, you and me, listening to the Travis Scott Utopia album when it comes out. And if you're watching, Travis, you want to join? You can join. <laughs> you don't have to, though. <laughs> but we're definitely going to rock out to it. I think that's going to be dope. Uh, if you're down, you, would you be down for something? No, do that. Let's hey. go. Uh, let's go. We, hear, we have it here on camera. 
Utopia so, reaction coming in Houston with the Houston Astro MVP right here. Now, moving on from this, it's hard to move. There's so, so many, bro, you you lived a hell of a life already. <laughs> 25 years old. <laughs> Man, even that that idea, I've joked about it. I've told the guys like in a group chat and stuff, is like, why doesn't he just retire at this point? Like, you can retire. <laughs> retire. <laughs> when it comes to this, this mindset, do you feel the pressure of, like, doing it again? Do you feel like you're well accomplished? What more do you want to achieve in your baseball career? Because you did it all in the first year. So there's definitely room for improvement. And I feel like there's a lot of things I want to work on this offseason. Uh, and, you know, when you accomplish winning the World Series your first year. Mm-hmm. Now that's, you know, that's the, the that's highest cream, test, cream, top, the, the cherry on, cherry top, on top of, of the cream. You, but that's not what you expect to do every no. single year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you got a taste of that. Now you want that taste every single year. Yeah. You know, so going into next year, it's how can we repeat? Mm. Now how can we do it again? So that's, that's where I'm at. You know, I want to get better. And then it's, it should show up next year and, Try to do it all over again. So, and y'all, y'all got majority of the team back, and y'all just signed a crazy guy, Obreu, first baseman. Y'all need a first baseman, offensive demon, yo. So, it's crazy. Huh? <laughs> and no crazy. Yeah. No crazy. <laughs> yeah, get it spicy. <laughs> Listen, couple quick hit questions though. Favorite baseball player of all time? What's your favorite baseball player of all time? Favorite baseball player of all time, Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. Wow, Manny Ramirez. Have you met Manny? I've not met Manny, but I did. Uh, I did text with him. Really? Uh, DM me on Instagram and reached out after the World Series, and it was pretty cool. How was that feeling? Becoming, you know, even, you know, having a fucking conversation with a man that you looked up you said this is your favorite player of all time represented the Dominican Republic to the fullest and you being very successful and then him you know showing you respect and you know honoring you as well showing you that that commendable you know like you did that shit how does that feel does it feel surreal like what are your emotions when it comes to that it's surreal bro it's uh like I said you grow up looking up to these dudes you know, watching them on TV, bringing a championship to the Red Sox in 04. And, you know, it's one of the greatest hitters. I was going to say Dominican hitters, but righty hitter of, of all, all time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I admired his game, and I admired his game. His work ethic was, you know, unmatched. And for him to reach out, it was, it was cool. You know, I want to... You know, revive those conversations and try to get together, you know, get some work in. But, Manny, if you're watching this, you need to hit the cages. <laughs> Listen, and, and having Pedro, too. Pedro Martinez actually showing love. That That's wild. You know, that, too, before a game, Pedro Martinez came up to me. You know, he gave me a hug, you know, called me his nephew, and he was like, hey, mm-hmm. keep doing it. You know, it's special what you're doing, and keep putting it on for our country. And, uh, you know, I took that to heart. Yeah, he was like, tamo, tamo orgulloso de ti, something like that. Like, we're, we're proud of this. Like, he was speaking for the country. I was like, Jesus Christ, like, I'll yeah. faint right there. <laughs> like, is there many bigger, higher achievement here? What's going on, guys? Yes, but speaking of DR, Dominican Republic, do you have a favorite Dominican dish? Favorite Dominican dish? So I'm simple, bro. I'm rice, beans, chicken, 
Pollo Neao or Pollo Guisao? Pollo Guisao. Really? Pollo Guisao. I'm not a Pollo, pollo Guisao guy. I'm sorry. What? I love it, bro. I love it, bro. I'm not a Guisao guy. I'd rather have that shit all Neao. I'd rather have it all Neao. I'd rather have that shit baked. Give me some baked chicken. It's healthier. Kind of. Yo! Do you have a favorite Dominican artist? Favorite Dominican artist? I mean, are we counting uh, Romeo Santos? Really? That's my boy. Bachatero. That's why you're a sex symbol. Yeah, that man. Doing the bachatas. You know, there's Jordan. Yeah. And there's Romeo Santos. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it's real talk. I'm telling you, bro. God forbid the man passes away tomorrow. God forbid the entire Dominican Republic will be depressed (laughs) for 10 years. Are you kidding me? Let's not even speak about that shit. When it comes to reggaeton artists, are you a Daddy Yankee or Don Omar? El Daddy. Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Daddy you. Yankee, bro. There we go. D.Y. D.Y. Man. Daddy Yankee. That's, that's amazing. Have you ever ha- had any interactions with any of these, you know, reggaeton, dembow artists yet, either in person or social media? Yeah, so in Philadelphia, bro, all the superstars came out. Really? Meek Mills there. He mm-hmm. actually... uh. He did the uh, dreams and nightmares before the game, like Performing. before we took the game, yeah, and, yeah, and <laughs> fuck. Mike Towers was there while we were hitting BP. Mike Towers, I got, I got to talk to him. You know, dapped him up, had a conversation with him, took a couple pics. Damn, that was cool, man. Like that was dope. And uh, yeah, Daddy Yankee was supposed to come to Houston, but he went, did his concert, but for some reason he didn't go to the game. Yeah. But busy schedule is his last yeah, busy, tour ever. Busy schedule, busy Legend schedule, Daddy so. tour out right now. Go watch him now live. Daddy yeah. Yankee, the best reggaeton artist of all time. He created it. I love yeah. DY. <laughs> man, so man, let's let's keep it going a bit here now. Does it feel weird to you yourself when it comes to the public even knowing certain things because you are in the public eye, you know, I myself technically definitely am, but you are in a situation where every athlete their salary's public. You know, they just posted the other day, uh, every player got a $500,000 bonus. Do you ever feel, like, any awkwardness? <laughs> Do you ever feel any awkwardness of, like, the fact that, okay, these are achievements, this is all you, you know, like they say in Dominican, like, like, this is what you deserve, You this is what you envision. But at the same time now, is there any awkwardness when it comes to, you know, even people that you know, your friends and shit, and, like, you... You know, when it comes to financial, because everything is public now, and it's only going to get more and more public. You know, another prediction of mine, within this next six months, he's going to sign a 10-year, $350 million contract, Mike Trout-type level. I know my baseball. But that's a prediction. Don't worry about it. But when it comes to this idea of, like, you being a public figure, people knowing my money and knowing my business, what is your mindset? How does that feel? I mean, I feel like it's tough when you don't have privacy, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes you just want to go to a restaurant and eat with the family and get out and go home. Yeah. You know, but it comes with the game. You know, it comes with the game. It's what we sign up for. But I don't know. I feel like if you want to know something about me, you can just Google search and everything pops up. Yeah. I know, and it's a life that 
we signed up for. But it also depends who you are as a person. Like some players love it, like all the attention. Some players are low key. Some players are in between. Yeah. Now they know how to handle that, and then they still have their privacy. So it's just about finding a balance of how to deal with that and how to live your life, you know? 100%. And shout out to another Providence uh, player. David Duke has a video, a message for you that I want to play. The Brooklyn Nets, David Duke from Providence, Rhode Island as well. Calling in here as well. Making a lot of predictions today, guys. Yeah, uh, before, before. Yeah, yeah. I watched that video, you know, shout out David Duke. He's doing it for the community. Oof. You know, not just putting it on. The David Duke know, Foundation. in the NBA and, you know, doing his thing, you know, but taking time out of his day to, you know, give back to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, that's real. That's real love, and I love what you're doing, bro. So this is the question right here from David Duke to Jeremy Pena. My first time listening to this as well. Shout out to David Duke, my brother. This is David Duke here. Uh, I just want to start by saying congratulations on everything that you've accomplished in your career. Um, you know, it's always great to see a fellow province native and classical alum doing their thing on the biggest stage. Uh, I'm rooting for you and your success. Um, you know, it's really inspiring for not only me, but all the other young athletes in the state of Rhode Island um, coming up and, you know, dreaming of doing the things that you've done so far. Uh, I think, you know, one thing that I want to know, as well as I'm sure other people too, is, you know, what's one thing that keeps you going and what keeps you motivated, you know, in the times where it may not all be working out, right? Or during like the rough patches and things like that. Um, Because, you know, everybody sees the success, you know, everybody sees like the end product. But, you know, people don't see, like, what goes into it. Um, the times where, you know, you, it, it may not be working out in a specific area, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but what's one thing that, like, keeps you going and something that you always fall back on? Um, but other than that, man, I just want to say, you know, thank you for setting the bar so high for the rest of us, um, showing us, you know, what's possible. Uh, and I'm rooting for you, like I said before, and uh, you know I pray God continues to bless you and your family. Um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the rest of your career. Uh, you've got a fan in me, um, but yeah, man, go Astros. Hey, go Astros! Round of applause for David Duke. Hey. Sending that beautiful message to Jeremy. So, what is your answer to for Mr. David Duke Jr.? Man, shout out, you know, David. You know, that's real. You know, that was, uh, that's real. That's real love. (laughs) And, you know, what keeps me going, that's a great question. And I would say I play for, not to prove people wrong, but I play to prove people right. Mm. You know, like I play for the people that actually did believe in me. Mm. You know, even before I believed in myself. You know, so I play for the kids that, that can't play, or the kids that aspire to be like us one day. You know, I owe it to them. You know, I owe it to myself. I owe it to my family for all the sacrifices they, they've done for us. So, yeah, I played to just prove people right, you know, people that, that did believe in me. So, 
I love that. I love that, man. Providence. Stand the fuck up, Providence. You know, they did it. You could do it. Let's keep it going. And right here, let's do this with Jeremy. This was Erlen's idea. So Erlen's going to do this real quick with Jeremy. We might skip the other segment, though. It's about to be three Let's go. So, (laughs) it's a movie. It's a documentary we're doing today, guys. So this is series, but <laughs> you got three parts of a Netflix series. I gotta be up six hours. Gotta get dessert now. <laughs> Listen. So this is Cap Trivia. Baseball edition. With Jeremy Pena, hosted by Mindset. So, first question, Erlen, read it, and let's go. All right, JP. So, you've had many accolades this year. You know, you was World Series MVP, but aside from being the first position MVP, there was also another rookie that won the World Series MVP. So, Let's see your baseball trivia, bro. Who was the first rookie to be named the World Series MVP? Was it A, Larry Sherry? B, damn, bro, Shia Bean Abraham <laughs> Joseph? <laughs> C, Clark Kent? Or D, Gail Earl? Clark Kent. That's the <laughs> Superman, bro. Hey, he, he won the MVP. <laughs> he won every award. <laughs> he was a Dodger. He was a Dodger. <laughs> Oof. I have to go with Larry Sherry, 1959. Drum roll. Final answer, A, Larry Sherry. Let's see. Hey. You got it right. Larry Sherry. Larry Sherry. 1959, first pitcher, rookie pitcher. Yep. And for those who don't know, uh, B, Shia Bin, Abraham Joseph, born in 1992, is 21 Savage. I was like, yo, who are these players, bro? I was like, I've never heard of these players, bro. <laughs> Listen, Shia Ben Abraham Joseph, can you do something for me? It doesn't ring off the bell that better. Yeah. 21 Savage is a better name. Yeah. Better name. All right, next question. <laughs> Houston trivia. The Houston Astros mascot named Junction Jack is what type of animal? A, a horse, B, a rabbit, C, a kangaroo, or D, a armadillo? That's got to be a kangaroo, bro. That's, Junk, that's it's got to be final, bro, final bro. answer Jackson Jive Final answer Kangaroo hey, A horse hey, oh, man. He's not really from Houston hey. Oh man I think we back. <laughs> The mascot about to hit you up Like JP what the Yo fuck? who's the mascot for Who's that The Astros The Astros He was with the Astros Yeah No way no Jackson way, Jack Yeah I don't know that I don't know that <laughs> I think that no. I think the answer was a rabbit too. To be honest, I don't think it was a horse. Wait, what? I think it was a rabbit. You yeah, saw how we horse? doing the trivia? You can we <laughs> sabotage it? My bad. I, like, I, like, I, I saw something different. I know it was a kangaroo though. It was a kangaroo. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I saw something different. I'm moving on. Moving on. Question number three. Question number three. Tree. The trees. The Houston franchise joined the major leagues in 1962, as did the New York Mets. What was Houston's first team name called? A, 
A, Colt 45s, B, Corona Kings, C, Buddy Lights, or D, Wise Buds? <laughs> bro, what are these names, bro? I'm going to have to go with... Bro, what? Houston, Texas. I'm going to have to go with... I'm going to go with... With A, Colt 45s. Final answer, A, Colt 45s. There we go, two for one. The Houston, you know, Cowboys with their, with their guns. Two for three, right. two, two for Next three. question. Uh, question number four. What player was nicknamed Mr. November? A, A-Rod, B, Bo Jackson, C, Derek Jeter, or D, Mike Trout? Well, there's only one Mr. November, dog. Hey. <laughs> and that is the captain. Derek Jeter. C, final answer, Derek yes, Jeter. Sir. Yes, sir. There we go. Capitan, yo. All right. Last and final. Last trivia. And final question. The MLB Comeback Player of the Year Award was developed as a part of the sponsorship agreement involving what product? A, Pine Tar, B, Wheaties, C, Condoms, or D, Viagra? <laughs> Comeback Player of the Year. <laughs> Is that it? Is that it? <laughs> Sometimes this is crazy. This is wild. Yeah. Bring that comeback. This is a real question to you. Yeah. I will go with C. Final answer. It was the yeah. It's a comeback player of the year. You gotta make him come back. <laughs> and that's Cap Trivia Baseball Edition with Jeremy Pena, World Series champion. Pardon the interruption momentarily. Real quick here. Commercial break by Club Ambition. That's us, ourselves. We have clothing out right now for sale. If you like what Jeremy Pena's wearing, that sweater, it's discounted right now. We have the black version on my body, and Jeremy was wearing the black version, but Erlen Mindset, tell them what you're wearing. You got the gray one looking nice. The gray one looking nice, comfy, man. It's getting cold. You know, this is heavy sweater. Yep. Very good quality after a couple washes. It's still. like a fucking coat. Brand new. $39.99. Free shipping. $39.99. Very cheap, you know, for the quality. And then it's crazy. Look at these shirts. Look at this shirt, man. Balenciaga who? Oof. Fuck Balenciaga. Come on, no. You see Balenciaga, they're doing the child pedophilia. No child pedophilia over here. We're fathers over here. Come on, no. But those for the ambition. Right y'all there. Ambition, y'all got a dream, man. Keep going. They're going to love you for that, man. 100%. 100%. Available all on the website. Let me show them the website, clubambition.store. That's clubambition.store. You visit the website, and you see we have a sale going on. We got shirts for $20, free shipping. Official 47 Club hats, free shipping. 47 Club, we work with them. Shout out to 47 Club. Official partnership with 47 Club hats for $20. People are sleeping on those heavily. Um, they're not going to sleep on the next ones, though. When Whenever we got the new era coming soon, they're going to not sleep on that one. Thanks. Black hoodies, gray hoodies, 40 bucks. These used to be $70, guys. They're on sale. We got some shirts left of these, the high-quality puff print shirts for $30, free shipping. These have a back print on them as well. Shout out to Michael Cameron for modeling these. Shout out to Tony, Tiana, also Jada modeling them on the Instagram post. Check them out. Club Ambition Clothing, Club Ambition Merch. 
CA is really a movement. It's a brand. This is good quality merch, clothing. It might seem basic because it's black and white. We're dropping more colors, more designs very much soon, but we can't do that without money. So please support us right now. Holiday sale. Purchase this stuff on clubambition.store. You can look like Jeremy Pena too. He's a part of Club Ambition for those who didn't know. And he's rocking this stuff proudly. So please support us. Please, we need to pay the rent. I need to put food in my son's mouth. Clubambition.store. Where can they find us again, Errol? Clubambition.shop.store. Clubambition.store, motherfucker. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Now back to the legendary Jeremy Pena interview. Pow! Oh man. Straight up. Straight up. Listen. Listen. Going back to uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Shout out to Quiddy Pay from the Indianapolis Colts. He was busy uh, getting ready today to play for the Monday Night Football game, but he has a question for you that he couldn't send via video. So, Queedy, the NFL player from Providence, Rhode Island, says, Jeremy, would you be interested in bringing professional athletes from Rhode Island together to do something dope to inspire kids like a camp or a charity event or something along those lines? Maybe even a public greet and signing. That's Queedy Pay from the Indianapolis Colts to Jeremy Pena. Yes, sir. I mean, shout out to Quiddy Pay. You know, keep doing your thing, man. You know, it's fun to watch. And, you know, I would love to. I would love to. I feel like this community has given so much to me, you know, has given so much to us that the least we could do is give back. So, you know, hit me up whenever and we'll get it set up. You know, we could even, you know, document this with your channel. Yep. With your channel. So, uh, I'll host that whole shit. Yeah, Don't tell uh, me twice. Let's get it done. You know, let's do something. I'm down. It's gonna happen. You heard it here. Coming soon. Uniting all the great athletes of Rhode Island, future champions, and the current one, Jeremy Pena. Providence. Why is Providence special to Jeremy Pena, the kid from Providence now, a world champion, household name? What is special about Providence to you? The thing with Providence is that. First, it's the city that you know watched me grow from a from a kid coming from the Dominican Republic to an un- unknown city. You know, somewhere I had no friends. You know, it was a city that you know raised me and shaped me into the man I am today. You know, a lot of my values I developed here. You know, my friendships are here, and you know I always say we have a small city but big dreams. You know, we have a small city with big dreams. So, uh, shout out to Providence. Feel like everyone knows each other here, so you know it's cool. It's cool, you know. You have a lot of familiar people, and it's a mighty little city. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. I always say that. Um. You know, you're a prime definition of it. I always have the famous quote. I don't know who said it or invented it, but I'm taking ownership of it. But when it comes to, you know, everyone wants to leave and want to become, you know, the small fish in a big pond. You want to go to New York, L.A., you know, but when you're there. Everyone else is trying to be like you, trying to get it. You know, you see a lot of people like you. But out here, you have the opportunity to become the big fish in a small pond where when you do something, you stand out more than everyone else because no one else is really doing it, you know, and you could take it to a bigger level. So, you know, you're the representation of that, you know, 
a big fish in a small pond and not just a pond, the entire fucking ocean. You fucking are annihilating everything. What's a piece of advice to a Providence kid right now that's watching this who wants to play baseball and go to the MLB and is looking up to Jeremy Pena who's accomplished so much stuff in his first year? What is a piece of advice that you can give them? So an advice that I would give anybody, you know, not just even baseball players, like, in life, and this would help you with anything. I would say forget about instant results. Like, that stuff is an illusion. That does not work. Like, there's no such thing as instant results, you know, and it's cliche to say, like, fall in love with the process, but in the process where the beauty is. You know, in the process where the beauty is. Like, we just won the World Series, and what I could remember is the times when we were working to get to the World Series. You know, like, the World Series, winning the World Series was, was cool, but what I remember was all the work that we put in to get to the World Series. So what I'll tell somebody is, man, just, you know, put the work in. You know, worried about today. You know, today's the only day in the whole year where we could do something. You know, you can't do anything tomorrow. You can't do anything yesterday. You know, it's already passed. Today's the only day you could do something. And, yeah, man, write your own book. You know, don't worry about someone else. Like, this guy's going to get to the show, the big leagues at 20. This guy, 25. This guy, 30. This guy's not going to get there. But we all have our own story, you know, so write your own book. Don't worry about what someone else is doing. Do you. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, we heard that, you know, you have a, a history of being a rapper, but aside from that, what break that down, but also do you have a favorite rapper of all time? What's your favorite rapper of all time? <sighs> My favorite rapper of all time in English, I'd say J. Cole. J. Cole really? is my favorite rapper in Spanish. I guessed it. I guessed it. Spanish, I will go with. I gotta go with Daddy Yankee. Daddy Yankee. That's Actually, right. now I think about it, did USC the love that um I think he even followed you that um uh Calle 13 Residentes showed you? You didn't know that? Uh, Calle 13 Residentes, no way, Puerto bro. Rican artists? No bro. way, bro. Nigga, Check your phone right now. What, Check your phone right now. Where's my phone at? I swear to God, where's his phone? Yeah, give me my phone. Check your phone just to verify. Nigga, you what, bro? Watch. Yeah. One of the biggest, yeah. if not the biggest, Puerto Rican rapper of all time. <laughs> no, he's very humble. Maybe not. So, what's his? Is Rene? Rene is his Instagram. Yeah, but. Yeah, I saw him. He followed you, and he commented. I was like, I think oh, I told someone. You saw, hey, see it? He DM'd me, bro. What, oh, <laughs> let's read the DM out loud yeah, for the first time. Dope. If you can. Yes. If you can. If you can. Nah, he said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's cool, man. This is dope. He said, que duro, hermano. Tremendo juego. And I like the fire emoji. Yeah. That's cool, bro. Wow. Give him a shout out after the game. Yep. Wow. Right now. <laughs> yep, okay. tell him. Or you can send him a video. Like, whatever you want to do. Listen, that's, that's right cool. there. That's cool. That's that's um that's, dope, man. that's the you know, the power of, you know, following your dreams and you know, people that other people look up to or that you look up to yourself end up looking up to you and showing you love. And I feel like he's someone that's very, very, very humble and you represent that to the highest extent. You know, but putting the humbleness aside, you used to rap? Nah, bro, but I'm not a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a song recorded? Or? Nah, man, that's 
not me. Oh. That's not me. That's that's David right there. Hey. That's David. Listen, cause me, dog. Listen, we we have an instrumental that nah, we're nah, gonna nah, play. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> if you rock with it, you could just say whatever. I think Erlen got a bar or two. He's gonna spit. Yeah. <laughs> Set it up, Earl. Set it off, Earl. Set it off, set it off mindset. Now we need DT3 uh, on that. Uh, uh, DT3. This shit's about to be so bad. It's a free B on YouTube. I'm about to be chased. Put the speaker up. Put the speaker up. We got to hear over here. We got to catch the vibe. Delete this part on um, YouTube. Just chop it up, yo. We really about to spit. What is about to happen in here? No. <laughs> Netflix series. You gotta cut up this whole session. Oh, hold up. Man, went the whole, the whole, the whole thing without moving the cameras, and that happens. Yeah, fix that. We good. That was fire, Earl. Hold up. You do your thing. You do your thing real quick. Yo. Yo, my uh, Earl might get signed yo, after this. Yo, yo, be careful, bro. What the man. fuck is about to happen? We, we uh, working, cars, bro. We working, yo. Soon to come, mindset's gonna have a have a crazy run coming up. But right now, we just working. We in the we in the lab, yo. And yeah, yes sir, yes sir. Fun. Salute, man. Hey. Eric, you, you want to say something, Eric? You gonna say something? Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I just want to say, um, brother, while you're here. Um, why we do this on camera? Why we do this on air? Uh, you don't gotta get me, fuck it. 
I'm cool. Um, you know, we love you, man. We look up to you. Sure. I know definitely when I was going through my process of achieving what I wanted to achieve in my life, I would look at you as an inspiration. I always have, from high school, I would see your dedication. I would see your humility. I would see uh, your level of focus and uh, the distraction that you wouldn't allow to deter you from your path. That's awe-inspiring. I think it's... I think it's a testament to the person you are, to the way you were raised. Um, God bless your family. God bless your parents. Um, I hope you're proud of yourself, man. We really, we really, it's, it's it's inspiring without anything attached to that. Nobody wants anything from you. We just want the best from you. Yeah. And so just know that you push us forward. You, you, you make us look inward in the moments that are difficult. And we say, if he can achieve it, so we, so can we, when I'm in the trenches of doing what I'm doing, I say, this motherfucker can do what he's doing, then I can just do this little bit that I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to thank you. Give you flowers right here. Thank you, bro. Sure. There we have it. Nah, and I appreciate you, bro. You know, I love you. And, you know, it's all a product of, you know, what you surround yourself with. And you know, I feel like I'm surrounded by great people, you know, and it speaks, you know, the people in this room right now, man. Like, it's real. You know, you are a product of what you surround yourself with. And, you know, I feel like I have an MVP team around me. So that's that's real. That's love, man. Jerry Pena, he's he's forever in life a member, a part of Club Ambition for Life. Jeremy Pena, we appreciate you coming through. Thank you for, you know, allowing us to create the best podcast episode in the history of podcast episodes. And, you know, a message for the people of Houston, the franchise, this is me saying it. You know, three words. Pay that man. That's it. Pay that man. They gonna love me for my ambition.